What's up, citizens of Apologia? This is King Ginger, and I just wanted to take a moment to encourage you all to sign up for Apologia All Access. When you sign up for Apologia All Access, you're going to get exclusive on-demand content. This means that you and your entire family are going to get to watch every single TV show, every single after show, and every single Apologia Academy with new content dropping every single week. But most importantly, your contribution helps Apologia Studios create quality, Christ-centered entertainment that reaches millions of people on our YouTube channels and through our podcast with the gospel. So what are you waiting for? Change everything at ApologiaRadio.com non rock a boatus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? Brett, delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> she hung up on me. Yeah! What? What? Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go into the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. I got, I got a bit of a jiggle neck. <laughs> That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when they're not. And he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out and leave, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near so also when you see these things taking place you know that the kingdom of god is near truly i say to you this generation will not pass away until all has taken place heaven and earth will pass away but my words will not pass away what's up guys welcome back to another episode of apologia radio and uh nice uh warm welcome from uh pastor luke there uh nice uh Clearing of the throat. Yep. <laughs> welcome to the show. You're welcome. Senzo Hakalugi. That's your new nickname. <laughs> Senzo? <laughs> I don't know. All right. So that's Luke Pierce of the Bear to my right. I like white bread better. And, uh, the white bread. I was choking on the mover. Welcome back, white bread. Joy, the Thanks. girl is uh, fighting, and she's here. After a night of bacon, delicious baguettes. Oh, oh, oh. oh, I got excited. I thought I was going to get to fight someone. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were announcing that. Well, she's here, and she's, uh, I mean, we're just grateful for can Joy. Can I fight Luke? Yeah, you can definitely fight Luke, and you're close to him right now. You can. He's within striking distance. And it's good that you clarify the baking the baguettes, given that we just passed 420. Just want to clarify that's that right. for everyone, that's too. That's right. Great. 420. Right. Which, by the way, 420, uh, that's, a, by the way, uh, Nostradamus <laughs> to my left. Blaren and Blaren. Blaren and Blaren. On the ones and twos, Marcus <laughs> Pittman, King Ginger. Right back here. <laughs> Teddy what? Randy is also in the studio getting ready for his Not Public Radio segment. And you oh, know what else 420 my is? Gosh. My son. My son made sure to notify me last night, like 11 o'clock. He comes in. He goes, Dad, guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? No, it wasn't hump day. He was like, it's Hitler's hump birthday. Day. Right. It's Hitler's birthday. I was like, oh. He's like, he's like, think about it, Dad. 
if we would have lost the war, we'd be celebrating that birthday today. I was like, yep. He's like, it's just crazy, crazy stuff, Dad. I was like, random 11 o'clock <laughs> homeschool woodpecker thoughts. This is Sage you're talking about. This is age. The but same he couldn't guy. remember how to do his right turn signal for yeah. his driver's test. Yeah, and when he gets out of the car, he always leaves the keys in the car and the car running and just walks off and just, he's like... Because he's thinking about Hitler. <laughs> he's thinking about all the random facts in history that he wants to make sure that everybody else knows. You should ask him if he knows whether or not Hitler was able to parallel park. Actually, last night I worked on parallel parking with Sage. Mm-hmm. I brought my car out, my van out in the streets, and he took Candy's car. I parked it in front of another car, and he practices parallel parking. Utterly terrifying. <laughs> terrifying. Let me say it out. Of all the driving we've done together, that is the most terrifying because when he pulls into the space, he's got like a lead foot. And so as soon as he gets Wait. the car like backed into the space and he's supposed to you know turn the wheel back and so he gets into the space, for some reason he feels like he needs to hit the gas. And so it's like, woo, we fly backwards. And I'm like, brake, brake, brake. It's just absolutely terrifying. <laughs> Every time we do it, the hood nearly clips the car in front. Thankfully, it was my car. And so... It's just when you're when your 16 year old is behind that wheel, it is an utterly terrifying experience because I remember wiping his bottom and now he's sitting next to me driving a deadly weapon. And he's not wiping your bottom. Yeah. After <laughs> driving with him. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Oh man. Oh, the TMI Express. Wow. Absolutely. A terrifying experience. I'm sure Randy knows exactly what I'm talking about. It is just a nightmare when your kids start driving. And that really has you work on your sanctification and your trust of God. God is good. God is good. I'm just singing praise songs and hymns. At least um, his main celebration yesterday was the whole Hitler's birthday fact. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're we're happy with that, that he's not celebrating other things on 420, right? Uh, yeah, that's right. That's true. He's not, he wasn't even thinking about being baked <laughs> on 420. Uh, speaking of Hitler, uh, Key and Peele uh, had a fantastic... Uh, uh, awesome Hitler story skit. If you haven't seen, did you do it on purpose? Uh, did you tie that all together on well, purpose? Well, I, I, I kind of thought we would go there, and okay. so I wasn't sure if it actually well happened. Well, well we played. We talked about Hitler a lot I'm, on the I'm show, so yeah. it would just come up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We, we, it's just we, natural. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> <laughs> it was just so funny too. Like that, I, I posted like a couple weeks ago in my house. I'm, I'm in my I'm in my living room doing some stuff, some ministry on my computer, trying to set up some stuff, and then so I hear a conversation in the house where Sage is saying to Imogen, he goes, Imogen. If you're not going to read it, give it to me. I need it. I was like, what are they talking about? It was Mein Kampf, (laughs) Hitler's book. He's like, I want to read that, Imogen. If you're not going to read it, give it to me. I was like, what is happening? These conversations (laughs) that happen in homeschooling homes, it doesn't make any sense to me. (laughs) I want to read Mein Kampf. So anyway, uh, here is Key and Peele's skit, Awesome Hitler Story. It's really funny. It's better, obviously, to see it, but it's still funny to listen to it. Uh, Awesome Hitler Story, Key and Peele. Uh, There's an American soldier that's in a... um in a uh, building during the war and these Nazi soldiers are coming in and he plays dead on the floor. He's not really dead. He's playing dead on the floor and one of the other soldiers notices that he is not dead. These Americans prove to be no obstacle at all. Search the hotel. Yeah. We've done well to secure this position. That could bode well for promotion. Speaking of which, guess who I saw at the markets the other day? Oh, oh, I don't know, Adolf Hitler? I love Hitler. Who doesn't? But you ever see him in person? Oh, yeah, at the Nuremberg rally. It was very inspirational. I know it was. I was there. Everyone was there. But up close, it's a whole different thing. 
For instance, it was the weekend, and the little hairs had just started to grow on the sides of the mustache, like mm. this. So, I walk up to Hitler, casual. Yeah, common town. That's, that's rude. I'm in the middle of a story. You're not interested in a story about our Führer? Yeah. Okay, good. I'm Ava was there as well. Taller than you think. Or oh, Hitler shorter, hard to say. But, anywho, I'm buying some bread. Hitler's buying some bread. Um, I must... So, I'm, I'm assuming you got a better Hitler story? <laughs> but no, but... Then maybe I... don't interrupt. Yes, sir. So... I give him a salute, and he gives me one of those half Hitler salutes, you know, down low, very cool. Right. You know? Right. Half Hitler. Here's what you forget. Yeah. He doesn't say Heil Hitler. Uh -huh. Isn't that funny? Huh? Yeah, come oh, wait. I think maybe next time I'll tell him how uninterested you are in my story. Oh, no, no, no. Is this a jealousy thing? No, no, no. You know, I didn't meet Hitler to hurt your feelings. Proceed, of course. So I say to Hitler, I've actually been quite busy. Hitler laughs and then says, you and me both. I mean, he's the Fuhrer. It's so funny because it's an understatement. <laughs> I mean, it's an understatement. <laughs> As Hitler was taking okay, his leave of I, me. I have to interrupt you right Wait, now. Do you speak during the cinema? The story has a build. But if you keep interrupting, you kill the momentum. But I'm trying to tell you that body is moving. That's ridiculous. The Americans are all dead. But if it keeps you from interrupting my awesome Hitler story, <laughs> I'll prove it to you. Yes. Very good, sir. So what makes it obviously funny is that the Nazi guy, it, 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 whichever one he is, Key or Peel, is black. He's a black yeah, <laughs> Nazi. Right. Now he comes over to, and he pokes him with his bayonet. He pokes the two soldiers with his bayonet. They're dead. Key and pill commentary only on Apology right. Radio. I mean, he pokes, I mean, he goes to poke the other guy who's still alive. He just moves his body out of the way to block the bayonet. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> I'll never get used to those final death throws. Death throws? Herr Mueller! What is wrong with you? Those are not death throws! You are being an idiot! Gunshot. That's what you are, Luke. Churlish. <laughs> Insubordinate. This is the best part of the story. As Hitler was taking his leave of me, he said, Well, there's no point in getting bread if you're not going to get. And at the same time, Hitler said cheese, I said cheese, and then Hitler and I both said jinx. Both are just like two regular everyday peoples. You guys missed the first part, but this is all about Hitler. Key <laughs> <laughs> and Peele are geniuses. And it's sad that, uh, isn't, isn't their show done now? Anyone know about that? The show's done. I don't know. But that's because they're just going to do more things. They're making movies now about yeah. cop kitties. Name Keanu. Oh, that's right, that's right. Well, speaking of uh, current events... Which Joy's very excited for. Speaking of current events, a high school basketball player was arrested after it was discovered he was... 30 years old. Ball is life. This is on Uprocks. You get it, life? and so do... That's something I say all the time, Joy. I say ball yeah. is life. You get it, it and so do we. Some people, though, take their love of the game a bit too far. 
and Jonathan Nicola appears to be one of them, according to Trevor Wilhelm of the Windsor Star. The top player for Windsor, Ontario's Catholic Central High School, was arrested earlier this week after border officers discovered the 30-year-old had been posing as a teenager for the past six months. For a story detailing his prodigious on-court exploits that was published in January, Nicola told the Star he came to Canada in late November after fleeing war-torn South Sudan. He'd been living with Catholic Central coach Peter Kusamano ever since, who reportedly believed the Lanky Center had a shot to play in the NBA. So here's a 30-year-old playing in the NBA, or playing for this this uh, high school. I would think that when you were playing basketball, because ball is life, right? You played basketball? Yeah. Okay, ball, ball yeah, is life. Sure. Right. So I think that you would be somebody that people would probably would have said, that guy is not a teenager. <laughs> That's a grown man right there. Did you have a beard uh, at 16? No, I did not. No? When did you start being able to grow a beard? Um, probably 19 or 20. Really? Yeah. That, that young? Yeah. I didn't get mine until 33. No. Yeah, no. No, really. I mean, no, I, mean, I, I didn't. Really, I 33 I years old is when I started. It just kind of, well, uh, yeah. now I've hit puberty, which means I'm probably going to live longer than you because I started only growing a beard when I was 33. So, you know, so I'm at least, I'm at least like 10, 12 years, like life <laughs> extension more than you at that point. I, I don't know if the beard is any signal of like death. I think it's probably the other way. <laughs> it might be it the case because I mean, I remember uh, the video of if you look out on our YouTube channel, which is great, by the way, one of our oldest videos is called Apology of Baptisms is right when you found Apology of Church. Yes. And that was just an amazing video because you see people who have come out of our church from uh, drug and alcohol addiction when we found out of Calvary. But man, you get to see everyone if you, if you haven't seen it you're just you got some nice looking uh, peach fuzz in that Do I was yeah. in there okay and yeah. it's funny you talk about like a beard be a symbol of death it's like that didn't happen until you started being a pastor yeah. for real yeah for real so. that's right if you look at pictures uh, Luke and I uh, did you take pictures of us, Joy? When we were other yeah. families, we first started uh, ministry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we we took some pictures when we were starting Apology at Christian Ministries, which at the time uh, I was a minister at a church called LifeWest Church uh, in Awatuki, and uh, Luke and I felt called to start Apology at Christian Ministries as a Christian outreach ministry, ministering to the cults and different worldviews. And uh, so we started this ministry, and we were putting together like a little ministry pamphlet booklet, and we looked so young. In those pictures, when you look at those now, we look mm. like babies. babies. We look, look like, like babies. Like twelve. I, I look really, really, really young, and yeah. now we look war torn. <laughs> well, there's a reason we look that that's way. That's right. That's right. I mean, ministry does age you quick. Mm. It does. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm getting white hairs in my beard now, and I just want to add that I'm not. Yeah, you're not. Yeah, whatever. Okay, one of us is working harder than the other. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I have lost all my hair on top. So. <laughs> Did that start when you when we planted the church? It just uh, went away. Yeah. Okay. I guess, yeah. Okay. All right. So all kinds of uh, crazy things happen in the world. We're gonna have our not public Wait. radio segment in, in, in next segment. Okay. But, okay. Go ahead. What do you want to say? No, I was just gonna say, how did they find out he was thirty? Oh, we did. I, I mean, all this to say. Oh, I just wanted did to say they, it happened. Like, I don't know. It was did a whole they article just like on it. check his ID one day? I, 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 or, I don't know. Google it. I don't know. Or I, he was I, like, they were like, you're complaining about like your knees what 18 year old is complaining about has knee pain complaints yeah I I don't know maybe he was chewing tobacco or something they were like hmm he was like really like financially secure yeah yeah 
He had his own vehicle and house. I don't know. They're I don't like, know. Huh, I, you're, kids. you're way too he responsible. Had, he has 12 year old kids. They're right. like, wait, how is this? I already <laughs> exited out of it. I don't know what the article was. I just, I didn't Google even it. care. Google I it. Just, all I saw, I saw that article and I was like, hey, ball is life. Joy. joy. <laughs> the headline is ball is life. The headline is 30 year old man plays basketball. <laughs> That's the headline. That actually happens quite a bit in uh, Major League Baseball. Does it? Not that, not that much of an age difference. But right. there's, there's players in the league now that have come from like um like Dominican Republic or or like Venezuela places like that like Cuba or wherever and they're definitely older than what they tell people what if he just like usually it'll be like three or four years well Luke you remember Ken Griffey Jr. I do yeah man he he kind of had the Steve Martin factor where he looked like just a young 20 year old for probably he played for like 20 years uh, Played for a long close. time. Yeah, right? I just remember time, him yeah. looking just exactly the same, yeah. like 15 years later. Yeah, I, I honestly, I remember seeing him as like is that a different Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah, there are really strict one. rules, like in basketball, baseball, by age, like really, really strict rules. Well, yeah, because a lot of these players that come from like these other countries, yeah, like they'll lie about their age so that they can leave those countries to come play. Oh, I see. In the okay. US. Right yeah. on. Okay. And that's what that guy, it sounds like he came from what's Sudan yeah. or something. Yeah. Like. He looks, he looked old too. And they have no birth certificates in those countries. Oh. So they can just say whatever they want. Ah, what wow. if they yeah. identify as 18? <laughs> that We're going to get to that in a minute here. We're going to get to that. Nice. Well yeah. Played. When I was, right. when I was competing in karate, there was a point where uh, I was, uh, I was 14 or 15 and I was, I was fighting with the adult men's fighting teams at some tournaments, and we seemed we got away with it there. I don't know if that would have happened like on a regular basis, but it, it did happen at times. I thought it, you were going to say you were like 15 and you were fighting with like the nine-year-olds. <laughs> One time I did have to fight a girl in team fights. Yeah. Worst experience of my life. Like we had team fights, and there was the other team had a girl on it, and and just the way it all worked out, I had to fight the girl. And I kicked her in the stomach, like, in the first round, and she was, like, crying. And I was like, this is the most awful thing ever. Yeah. Why is this happening? It's not fair. And which you were with Cobra Kai. Yeah, Cobra Kai. And my coach was like, no mercy! No mercy! <laughs> no, it's, I mean, seriously. And that's a, that's a perfect example. Maybe we can talk about that right now, of, like, gender, yeah. like, differences and distinctions. Like, that wasn't fair. Like, because here's the thing. I'm fighting for a professional team. We can't throw this fight, so I have to fight the girl. And she was fighting me as hard as she possibly could could so i had to fight her back i couldn't just sit there and take it and so i couldn't lose one because she's a girl so i couldn't I, lose to a girl right, so i hit her i hit her in the stomach it wasn't even not. that hard and she was like on the ground crying i was like get off the ground no i'm just <laughs> no that wasn't really right and that's like that transgender uh that man who fights in the in mma yeah. who mm-hmm. dresses like a woman yeah. who's like destroying her fe- his his female opponents like, Is that who beat Ronda Rousey? Uh, no, no, no. It was, oh. it was no, it was a, it was a underground MMA, and basically it was. You guys like, took that way too uh, serious. It was, it was a competitor that <laughs> had already gone through the entire. Don't take anything that surgery. Luke and I say so today. So the genetics are serious. still male, way right? Too but well, always male, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. But you know, obviously the Bruce You're probably trains a target. A target. We're gonna get to <laughs> that too. Exactly. Well, I, before but, I do that, I was gonna say I, I, I wrestled one year in high school. Did you? And I hated it, <laughs> but it's another story for another time. But there were girl, there were some of the schools had girls that wrestled. Yeah, and I can remember like being like, I hope I don't have to wrestle the girl. It's just it's yeah. awkward. It's awkward. It's like you know you're reaching around, you're grabbing yeah parts stuff. And, 
And yeah, it's, he's, it's uncomfortable. He's like, oh, on. this isn't right. It's sweaty. It's yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. There was a, there was a, there was a girl in, in my high school. She was, she joined the wrestling team. Big controversy <laughs> that she was able to be on the wrestling team. And, and it was the same thing. All the guys that I knew yeah. were saying the same thing. It was like, I don't, I don't feel right. Like grabbing her in these places. And then you got all the pervs over there. Like, yeah, I'm going to wrestle now. I'm going to join wrestling. It's so That's funny not- that Andy Kaufman did that as a joke. A few years ago, when, yeah, and now he, it's like serious. Yeah, yeah, it, it was a joke. <laughs> it was a it's, joke. It's just a joke. Men wrestling women, it's a joke. All right, let's do a quick fun thing here, because we got a big show for you guys. Lots to talk about. Um, the 10 worst things you can legally do. One of these happens to us on a daily basis. <laughs> Number one, leave a closed, <laughs> empty pizza box sitting out. That's a daily occurrence at Oh my goodness gracious Apologia Studios Pizza boxes Marcus Pittman Laying around Sorry Yeah leave a closed Empty pizza box Sitting out It's apparently one of the worst things You can do According to this list I, I came in here one time And there was like Six pizza boxes And like flies And mm-hmm. nastiness Yep Floating around uh, Empty half used Vegan pizza boxes <laughs> vegan, vegan pizza boxes <laughs> Number two The pizza wasn't vegan But the boxes were <laughs> <laughs> Get on an elevator full of people and go up one floor. That's uh, something that should be illegal that you can do. It's not illegal. I don't have a problem with that. Number three. What if, what if you're in a wheelchair? That's well, that's true. Number three. Start showing someone a YouTube clip in public. Apparently, this is aggravating <laughs> to some people. Um, number four. Ask someone else what they're ordering at a restaurant, then order the same thing before <laughs> them. <laughs> My wife is is a little, my wife always we have this thing my wife will always we get to a restaurant and she says do you want to share uh, every time oh my mm-hmm. goodness and so yes, 17 we'll years 17 years of marriage and I have I, I always say no I don't want to share with you and you know she and 17 years of marriage she always looks at me like that's rude <laughs> like and you know just no get get what you want to get right well yeah because what happens you know first it's like what do you want can't make up their mind, right? Right. And then it's like, I'll, I'll just share with you. And I've learned to say, no, you're getting your own meal. <laughs> because what happens is they say, I don't want anything. And then they eat half your meal. Half your meal. And then get you end up having to get in the kitchen an, and make to, us two separate meals. <laughs> and That's what I'm saying, guys. Another meal anyways. <laughs> by the time they're done eating. Okay. Is it wrong to suggest... I love my wife, by the way. Yeah. Is it wrong to suggest... That when you're in a group of people, like, you know, 10 people together, that you sh- when you say, where should we go eat, it you shouldn't ask the women? That's That should be a law there. Right? Yes. Joy, no. come on. Wait, come on. no. Why, come on. Is, is it not true that when you're with a group full of women and you say, where should we eat, that they cannot decide within a space of 45 minutes? Oh, my gosh. I think that it's that's absolutely so true. true of guys, too, nope. though. Nope. Nope. It's totally true. Uh, you oh, guys all no, do it, it too. It's not true. Prove it. Okay, so here's how that conversation would go with me. Okay. I can find something to eat anywhere. And people are always very well, concerned because there's things that I don't eat, many right. things. And I can so I'm just always like, Oh, you pick. You pick. Jerry. He's no, not actually, paying that's attention. True. Joy is but pretty how easy. many times have I just said You're an exception like, though. You're an exception. Here's well what, maybe you guys are just picking bad no, no, restaurants. No, 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 no. Hold on. Here's what happens is my wife will say I don't care. Hey, babe. Uh, I'm, doing the, I'm doing the show right now. <laughs> We're right in the middle. <laughs> yeah, speaking of just... <laughs> what's that? Well, let's hold on. This is, we'll continue this after we listen to their yeah, conversation. I'll call you back in just a second. I love you. 
Buy sweet cakes. <laughs> yeah, okay. Speaking of your wife, so, Jeff, real quickly with restaurants, is that <laughs> restaurants? Did you say restaurants? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I, I feel a sudden twinkle. Hang on, let me finish. Yeah. Let me, oh, okay, hang, okay. hang on to it. Right, so, so what happens is I'll say to my wife, and this happens usually when my wife and myself and Jeff and Candy will be trying to eat somewhere. This happens probably nine out of ten times. So we'll say, where do you guys want to eat? Well, I don't care. Pick wherever you want. Okay, well, let's go here. No, I don't want that. And then you pick okay, the let's one go here. No, I don't place. want to go there either. But what places okay, are you suggesting? This? No, I don't want to go there either. Yes. Well, then you pick. Yes. I'm done. <laughs> and then they go. You pick. And then they go what? They go, well, I don't care. Yeah. And then it's 45 minutes later and everything's closed and you just go what home. What they're saying is, I want you to pick someplace good. Yeah. yeah. What are you suggesting? Like, like Culver's? No, 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 no. No, no, no. no classy no, no, no. stuff. <laughs> classy. <laughs> classy yes, stuff. Absolutely Jerry, classy. You gotta, uh, well, you know, my wife, women you said, are just yeah. intentionally obstinate, so. <laughs> yeah, so while we, we're on the I subject. I wake up every morning uh, and I'm like, how can I make my life difficult for men? <laughs> I just, that's my job today. <laughs> well, I'm just going to. That's what we think. I'm just going to mix honest. things up. <laughs> uh, go ahead. Yeah, so. Uh, <laughs> Talking about your wife, Katie, yeah. who just called you. Yeah, she so, did. Yeah. I mean, did she? she kept, she AKA kept AKA calling, so I had to finally answer. Yeah. Shoddy. Um, shoddy. <laughs> you talk about one thing being indecisive. One thing that is true about Candy, when it, she may be decisive on, rest, on a restaurant going there, but the one thing that she's gotten better, but the one that she is always infamous for is sending stuff back to the kitchen. Yes, yeah. And she's toned it down, but there's one point, I think she sent like three things back, and it was yeah. like, goodness gracious. Everything she would get, she would send it back, and she's and gotten would, a little easier, because she, she sees how uncomfortable it makes me, and so she's she's kind of toned it down a she's bit. She's a woman of taste. She's a woman of you know, very I, high taste. I think I've only seen you not send one steak back. Uh, All the yeah. times we've eaten together. Every time I order a steak, your, they get it wrong. In your in your wife's defense, yeah, you don't eat a lot of food. So when she asks you to share, what she's probably saying is, "I know you're only going to pick at your food." That's true. This Do is you true. You want to share and save us some money. That's probably that's probably what it is, really. Yes. <laughs> Number five, give out vague. Ready? Number five, things that should be illegal and are not. Give out vague, maybe spoilers that aren't specific enough for people to call you out. That should be legal. I agree with that. Okay, yeah, yeah. It happens a lot. Yeah. Uh, number six, uh, should be legal and it's not. Eating kimchi on a plane. Very important. As a matter of fact, oh. Um, oh. You know, uh, one thing you also don't do is uh, open uh, open particular brands of chips on an airplane. It'll yeah. fill the whole plane up with um, a stench that's just... Yeah. Not, or bring a fish sandwich. Or bring a fish sandwich. 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 Uh, number seven, doing loud lawn work at 8 a.m. I agree with this. That ought to yeah. be illegal. There are certain things you shouldn't do before 10 a.m. Like, that happens in my apartment complex yeah. every day. It's like, come on. You're usually awake every in day. any ways. You I haven't gone no, to bed no, yet. No, so. no, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's I'm disrespectful. Trying, I'm trying to go to bed at 8 a.m. Right. You know what's funny is my... And like, it just, come on. My neighbor knows that we're late risers, and so there's... <laughs> Several Saturday mornings where he, I'll go out there and he's doing, you know, mowing his grass, or whatever. He's like, I'm sorry, did I wake you up? <laughs> he's like, I tried to wait as long as I could, so I didn't wake you guys up. Well, yeah, that's the thing is you can't really, especially when it gets hot, you can't wait. Yeah. Can't I never just, hear him, but. You can't wait till the. Here's one Set your identical drink down right next to someone else's at a party. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's rude. Okay. That's why you should always have a Sharpie. Leave someone an important voicemail. Name. Like you ever get like a really important voicemail right. that shouldn't be it shouldn't be recorded, like that you that, you don't want that on a recording. Pastors get those all the time. It's like <laughs> hey, you can wait to talk to me because you don't want that voicemail to get out. 
That's some private information there. There's no uh, self-destruct app. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know what drives me nuts is when people call and they don't leave. A, they don't leave a message. I'm just gonna say this: if you're listening and you call me and you don't leave a message, I'm not calling you back. Yeah. Okay. Because it's not important. I'm not calling okay. you back. Not so, doing it. Last wait, wait, thing wait. should be illegal. And it's not is not to tip. Although, oh. although you were saying yeah, that in Japan. In, in Japan, they don't tip. Because when you, if you do, it's an insult. Yeah, because it's like saying you suck. You need to take this money and go practice and learn some learn better uh, abilities in cooking or serving food. Yes, yes. Interesting how cultures are different yeah. that way, huh? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, well, let's let's before we come out of this segment, let's go ahead and play this real fast because it's going to be a topic in uh, in Randy's discussion. Steady Randy's going to do not public radio. Um, okay, so everyone has probably heard about all of the recent stuff about transgenders and transgender bathrooms, uh, the LGBTQTR LMNOP community um, is uh, is pushing for um, equal use to bathrooms. So grown men uh, dressed in women's clothing should be able to walk into a bathroom with a six-year-old girl. We should celebrate that. We should we should want that to happen. Uh, the boss, Bruce Springsteen, Steen canceled. <laughs> cannot do it. He canceled. Again. I know. He, I know. I know. He canceled his concert in North Carolina because of the law or bill passed by North Carolina representatives stating that you had to go into a bathroom drum roll that corresponded to the gender on your birth certificate certificate. Um, and so uh, you had uh, Michael Moore making comments you had the owner of Virgin Airlines making comments you had Bruce Springsteen canceling a concert you had people coming at North Carolina saying how dare you suggest Sir Richard Branson Sir Richard Branson yes sir how dare you suggest that you should have to go into the bathroom that corresponds to your actual gender actual gender so it's a big deal right now and Randy's gonna talk about what happened with Target but I noticed something came up in what was hot yesterday on YouTube transgender and women's bathroom a social experiment it's really really interesting there's a man with a beard that goes into a woman's bathroom to see how women would react now he looks like a man man his beard yeah I mean actually a lot of that has to do with the beard right so he's a man's man he looks like a big beefy man he looks like white bread over here and uh, goes into this bathroom I want to warn you guys although it's bleeped out uh there, there is some cursing, and it's bleeped out. And, but so, if you have kids, you know you want to protect their ears in any way. Get ready to do that. Listen to this later or whatever. But uh, I, I thought this would be perfect because here's a, an example of this is what it would look like. This is one guy, one bathroom, and it's, it's pretty powerful. Um, so here we go. I'm gonna go ahead and play it, and you'll hear the audio. This is uh, the guy following the first girl into the ladies' bathroom. I'm transgender. What? No, you can't be in here. But this is a girl's bathroom. I identify as a girl. You are not. Do you hear yourself right now? You are not a woman. You have such. A I am a girl. Voice. Transgender. We could. We could say what our regular voice. What? That doesn't make any sense. You definitely have a penis. You need to get I, out I, of here. I do have a penis, but I, I identify so as a girl, so I'm allowed in here. You can't be in here. Why not? I'm, no, I'm a girl. No, you can't be in here. But I'm a girl. You can just say you're a girl. All right, I can I'm just gonna. Say I'm a I'll get out. I'll let you be. 
get out! What are you doing here? You're not supposed to be in here. I'm trans. You're a guy. Get well, out of here. I don't belong here. But I identify as a girl. Why Ew, can't I be in here? Okay, okay, okay. Okay, okay, okay. Hello. Oh, hi. How are you? Good. Are you transgender? Yeah, yeah. Oh, good for you. Thanks. How long have you been transgender for? Just started like a couple days ago. Oh. Yeah. It's a short amount of time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I gotta go. I'm gonna go right now. Go ahead. Hey. Ow! Get out! Get out! What? I'm, what I'm transgender. Here? What are you doing in here? I'm transgender. I'm a girl. Get out. No, no, no. Get out. I'm a girl. No, get out. Why? It's just not okay. But it's not okay. I'm a girl. Okay. No, you're not. You're not a girl. You're not a girl. There you go. So, um, wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty brilliant. That's powerful, right? That That's is really brilliant. brilliant. Yeah. That is brilliant. And so that was, I mean, obviously, one bathroom, one guy. He didn't have a beard, by the way. I remembered it. I remembered it with a beard. I guess when I remember most men, I remember them having beards. Okay. That's, that's all I see. <laughs> that's all I it's see. It's like a beards. Snapchat filter <laughs> over my life. Uh, <laughs> men, all men have what, beards. What I like about, I would, I watched the video with you. Yeah. Um, what I liked about it, if you watch it, is that it doesn't show, it just shows the girl go into the bathroom and the guy is dressed up as a woman identifying as one just go in there so all you hear actually is the audio right you don't and see so him. it's it's very good at persuasion because it's may it's forcing the viewer to kind of fill in the blanks and kind of visualize what's actually going on yeah. in the bathroom without actually showing it which i like yeah because well, yeah it's i want to ask joy um be good to get kind of your feelings toward this um if there was because we because because I, I i noticed last week that when I was talking about it, I kept mentioning my little girl. Like, mm -hmm. I kept mentioning a little girl, six-year-old, five-year-old. Luke has two precious little girls. I can't imagine a grown, beefy man walking in there with these little girls trying to, you know, do their most private business. I keep mentioning little girls, but I, I recognize that I did fail to talk about how it would make a grown woman feel. I didn't really talk about that. Because I'm, more, I'm, I'm thinking about a grown woman can at least put up somewhat of a fight. So a little girl can't. Yeah. Um, so how does it... How does it affect you or make you feel to think about going into a place, into a, a dressing room or a bathroom, and a grown man wearing a dress walks in? Like, how does that affect you? I'm curious. Jeez. Um, I mean, it would be weird. I would... Yeah. I don't know. If he was wearing a dress, yeah. I would... I think... I mean, so the, there was the one girl in the video yeah. that reacts in the way that's like oh are you transgendered because you know he's wearing the dress or whatever yeah so i guess if he was wearing a dress i might be like well that's going on yeah <laughs> um but it would be there would be a part of me that's like are you did you accidentally come into the wrong room <laughs> like yeah. are you, i'd almost be like a little well let me ask you this this would be I mean, it's, it's <laughs> obviously a little bit personal would you leave? Would you wait till he left? Would you, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, would it would it put you in such an uncomfortable situation that you wouldn't be able to 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 be in the bathroom? Or, or would you? What would you, what do you think you would do in that kind of situation? I'm wondering. I mean, I'm wondering what women how will women leave? Will they not be able to to use the bathroom because they're waiting for this man to to leave, or they're they're scared in some way? I'm just wondering how a woman would feel. Uh. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I know the right answer. Yeah. No, I'm, I don't I'm just know wondering. that. 
I guess, yeah, it would be weird. Yeah. It would be weird. I would probably not go to the bathroom. That's what I'm thinking. I would feel <laughs> strange about it. I yeah. would probably just leave and come back later. Yeah, there you go. So I'm like, just it would out. just put me in a weird position. Yeah. I don't know that I... I don't know that I personally would feel like totally unsafe, but um, because you're because you're a fighter, I, you have well, like ninja skills. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I want to give the right answer. Yeah, she'd be carrying but a bag. But I personally with her. don't. I don't know if I would feel like it would probably just depend on the the person too. What if it was Luke walked in with a dress? <laughs> I'd be like, Luke, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> or or his puddles of do- what if you walked in his puddles of dog? I, I think uh, if it was a woman that walked into a man's bathroom, I can. I was thinking like, how would I feel? I don't think I'd be able to use the bathroom. I, I think I would. I would probably be like, I'd probably preach the gospel to him in the bathroom <laughs> first and foremost. But I don't think I'd be able to use the bathroom. I'd be really, really uncomfortable with that going on around me just like such an uh, elephant in the room right yeah. like you don't belong be in here uncomfortable yeah. yeah well well speaking as a man who has accidentally walked into a woman's bathroom on mo- multiple occasions <laughs> on multiple occasions it is weird it's weird it's just well, weird well that's what i mean i feel like my initial reaction would be like are you okay like did you like you know that like i just can we clear this up or like did you mean to come in here yeah. or what yeah but i don't I don't know. I, it's, I guess it would be something that I'd have to experience to this really know how. Totally reminded me of, I, I forgot this happened to me. I went to a gas station once on 7th Street and Indian School, and the, they were doing some construction in there. And um, I, I had remembered the bathroom for the men because I've been in there before in one place, but I accidentally walked into the female bathroom and I was just so busy, I didn't pay attention to the fact that there were no urinals in there. I went into the stall, you know, used the bathroom, and um, and um, as I was coming out, the woman in the stall next to me um, came out, and she realized I was a man, and it totally freaked her out, and she ran out the door. She ran out the door to the front, and I had to walk out all apologetic, like, I am so sorry. I, I thought that that was the men's bathroom. I, I apologize. I even said, I'm, I'm a pastor, because she went to the front to, like, tell on me. I was like, I'm a pastor. I'm, I'm, I, it was completely was an accident. I apologize. It was a mistake. Yeah. She was like, oh, okay, okay. I was like, I am so sorry. But I, I terrified her right. because of my presence in the bathroom. Right. And yeah. that, that's what I mean. It would be kind of circumstantial for me. Like, yeah. if or, someone... You know, not that I that not that I agree with it, but if someone was wearing a dress, then I wouldn't necessarily think they were in there to like attack me. Yeah. But you notice you how never the girl know. you notice what the girl said though when she 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 said, "Oh, you're transgender." She goes, "How long you've been transgender right. for?" Yeah. yeah, like did you just, did you just put the dress on to come in here? And he right. said, "Oh, a couple of days." She says, "Oh, that's a really short would, time." Yeah, I mean, I'd probably be alert. Yeah, at the very least. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but, I'm- I just want to comment. Most of those girls in that video did think that guy was the Terry. <laughs> he thought he was a Terry. I'd like to hear Steven gonna, Anderson's. She uh, goes, "Get out! Or are we going to Drax?" Bam, We're going to Drax. Bam, I'd like to hear Steven Anderson's commentary on this discussion. Well, he would. 
definitely encourage them to piss up against the yes. wall. <laughs> exactly you, guys, you guys don't know what I'm talking about. YouTube, Stephen Anderson, pisseth against the wall. It's a phrase that's, ever. It's a phrase that's in the King James Bible. It's what made Stephen Anderson famous. Yes. Um, and being tased at the border. And being tased at the border. All right, guys, quick break, and we're going to come back with Not Public Radio. We're going to talk a lot about some cultural stuff. Some, I'm going to play some more clips of college students talking about gender identity. It will blow your mind. And we're also going to uh, spend a few moments today, hopefully, uh, responding to some of um, one of my heroes of the faith, Dr. John MacArthur, in a sermon about end times. Ah, exciting. So, be right back, guys. Don't forget to go to ApologiaRadio.com. Sign up for all access. Join with us in this ministry, getting the gospel to the ends of the earth. Don't forget to get your tickets for ReformCon at ReformCon.org. I just chatted with Dr. White, John Sampson, Dr. Talbot, and Dr. Oliphant. We're preparing our messages now. And so, excited to deliver those, excited to fellowship. We will see you guys there. Ladies and gentlemen, beauties and beasts, I have some good news for you. But in order for me to tell you the good news, I must share with you the bad. A beard can be a most magnificent thing, but it can also be the downfall of a man. An unmaintained beard prevents a face from shining. An unmaintained beard causes dry, itchy skin. An unmaintained beard is a source of beardruff. You know, like dandruff, but beardruff. An unmaintained beard is sharp and ruthless, like iron bristles, not good for the lady friend. An unmaintained beard forfeits future growth based on the lack of preparation today. And let's not forget that an unmaintained beard robs your face from smelling amazing. Let not thy beard be thy downfall protect your manlyhood an epic combination of manliness and manhood if you're hearing this today there is hope for your beard go to youcosbeard.com and enter the code apologia and you can save some money while you save your face Welcome to Apologia NPR, not public radio news, recorded in the 16th week of the year of our Lord, 2016. I want to ask this time, what's in a name? And I want to start by asking a question that's really a theological question. Back in Genesis 2, uh, God instructed Adam to name the animals. And I want to know from uh, Jeffrey Luke in particular, is there a theology behind naming things? Well, there's a couple. Ex- there's a number of examples in Scripture. Um, say Genesis, Genesis 35:10, same book. Um, in uh, Genesis 35:10, and it says, "And God said to him, Your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name." So he called his name Israel. God changes his name from Jacob to Israel. Mm-hmm. You also have the example in the same book, Genesis 17:5. No longer shall your name be called Abram. But your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. So Abraham meaning father of many. Mm-hmm. And so God uh, gives Jacob a new name, gives Abraham, Abram a new name to Abraham. He calls uh, Saul, mm-hmm. Paul, from Saul. And uh, you do have uh, names in the Bible being descriptive. And so right. God is d- declaring something about the person, first and foremost. So he's saying something about the person. He's also declaring his authority over the person authority there's dominion there's uh uh being a ruler um and so naming is a big is a big theme in the bible there's a lot in a name what's in a name a lot in the name one last thing uh, matthew chapter one uh matthew gives a genealogy of jesus and when he and it's 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 uh, joseph's genealogy 
actually the it's the royal right to the throne uh, but in the text Genesis uh, sorry Matthew chapter 1 starting at verse 18 talks about the virgin birth and it says um, <clears throat> the angel of the Lord appeared verse 20 to him in a dream saying Joseph son of David do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit and watch she will bear a son and you you who Joseph mm-hmm. you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins and so you have Joseph's genealogy in Matthew chapter 1 the royal right to the throne but that 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 throne line has a curse in it but Jesus still gets the right to the throne without inheriting the the curse on that line um, because he's the uh, adopted son um, of Joseph and Joseph actually names Jesus and by naming Jesus it's Joseph taking ownership of Jesus so like that's that adoption right there is it's the ownership of Jesus by naming Jesus and uh, so there's a lot lot there. I'm sure more can be said. Okay, well, let me let me tease out this aspect of it. Did you have something to say? I was going to say, speaking of royalty, today is the queen's birthday. Birthday. Okay. God save the queen. Okay. Well, we, we lost any reason to care about that in 1776. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dang. Shots fired, as in lots of musket shots were look fired. My, look make at that my courage relevant. talking trash to England 200 years yeah. later. Yeah. <laughs> That's well, you, all. I just wanted to throw that Martha. out there. All I right. just wanted to say birthday. So. <laughs> well, you mentioned uh, authority. God has an authority to do those kinds of things, and right. he gave an authority to uh, Adam to do those kinds of things. Uh, in direct opposition to God's command to man to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, we have the incident in Genesis uh, 11, uh, the Tower of Babel. Uh, they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. So here you have them denying, you know, God's mandate to fill the earth. They're trying to consolidate or congregate. Mm-hmm. And they see in some way this naming or these giving of titles as something that they can do in, uh, to, sep- to keep themselves from being separated from each other, but also in defiance of God. Do you think that someone giving themselves a title is wrong? Is that what you're saying? Well, I'm saying there's connotations with it. Well, and I, I'm just asking, so if like, someone was to say, uh, give themselves like the title like the ninja. Right. Just would totally that be inappropriate? They didn't, <laughs> like, not solicited from any, anybody. Now that's that's or... deep theology. <laughs> I told y'all that was my nickname in high school. I didn't pick it for myself. That's what Scott. We don't. That's we what Scott used to that. call me. I haven't seen the evidence. Oh, whatever. Whatever. You self-identified as ninja. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh my. Wow. Anyway, um, there's there's no coming back from so that. So that's no. true. Yeah, okay. So um so the the the, the name name uh, the Hebrew word for a uh, name uh, essentially is like shame. Hmm. So you're gonna say shame shame on you when you say shame on you to somebody. Um, it's like and may that be your name. May really? that may that thing be your name. Mm. Um, and, uh, so it has to do with, you know, um, somebody's, um, oh goodness, character, the reputation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. when you're, when you're dealing with the recovery kind of situations, you know, you, you get really clear about what you call yourself. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like, so like drug and alcohol addiction in AA, they want their name, their identity to be, I'm an addict. Right. And we say no to that. Right. right. Okay, good. So this control of names and definitions of things is tied in some way to dominion. And in our modern culture, the politics of identity, 
As an example, first the definition of marriage was blurred through legislation such as no-fault divorce, and then the definitions themselves become kind of subjugated by putting in either a new functional meaning, a, an entirely opposite meaning, or a meaningless meaning in its place. So this confusion is kind of uh, kind of creeps into our culture. And an example of that is what we've been talking about: the words "men's restroom" and "women's restroom." Yes. Right. So this week, Target announced that they are also going to allow people with gender-specific chromosomes to self-identify as the opposite gender when using the restrooms. Now, if you browse to the cor Target corporate website, this is not really a surprising development. Back in September, Target signed on in support of the Federal Equality Act. The bill would amend the Civil Rights Act of 1964 to include sexual orientation and gender identity and ban discrimination in areas including employment, housing, access to credit, public education, and accommodations. Mm. The word accommodation has the root uh, from the Latin commodus, which is where we get our word commode. Huh. All right. They have joined with several other national companies to sign on to an amicus brief in support of marriage equality. The brief is currently pending in the Seventh Circuit. They claimed they were considering the bigger questions at hand. They added the curtain laws in states such as Wisconsin and Indiana make it difficult to attract and retain talent. Now, last week you mentioned what was the percentage of the transgender transgender community, yeah. and as uh, the best numbers we have are about 0.3 percent. 0.3. So this is a talent crunch for them. This 0.3 percent is yeah. just you know. Wow. You <laughs> got to be careful there. All right. 0.3. Wow. Yeah. These desperate laws also create confusing and complicated benefits challenges across multiple states. So, confusing and complicated. <clears throat> yeah, this is obviously the state's fault. They created the confusion, right? <laughs> ah. So, in a statement related to their new, quote, inclusive experience, they said, everyone deserves to feel like they belong, and you'll always be accepted, respected, and welcomed at Target. Our friend Tony Miano went into a Target store, bought a Kit Kat bar, and well, let's pick up some of that conversation. I asked Stephanie that if I self-identified as a Target employee, if I could get the but what if I believe I'm part of the Shouldn't I qualify then? No, no, Should I self-identify yeah, as part of the board? Yeah, that's not really the possible procedure to go with that. No, no, I'm not an employee. Oh, okay, no, okay. No, I just, I'm, I'm just asking that if I self-identify yeah, well, as you, an employee. Yeah, well, you would have to have um, a unique um, employee ID number. That's the only way to get the discount. But as a man now, if I go into the woman's bathroom, because I self-identify as a woman, even though I'm a man, I can do I, that. I see what you're trying right? to say. Yeah. yeah. And if I if I were a woman and I went into the man's bathroom simply because I self-identified as a man, there wouldn't be any requirements for me to show proof of my gender. I understand what you're saying. This so, is a new policy that the Target rolled out. Um, in fact, I just found out about it yesterday. Um, so I know some of the uh, particulars and stuff. They're still trying to get it down to the store. Yeah. But that's you. Know, it's not really Exactly what you're saying. They, yeah. They've announced that. So yeah. If I wanted to walk into the women's bathroom right now, I could do that. You, you could do that if you saw that. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So why would I be 
All right. So William Shakespeare also had a way with words, introducing through his plays new terms such as manager, uncomfortable, and puking, as well as the phrase, knock, knock, who's there? Really? It's true. Huh. Fantastic. Did not know that. Shakespeare's the bomb. All right. So what's in a name? Jeff, you've got uh, some very beautiful and unique names for your children. Well, thank you. Uh, I've been meaning to ask if, by chance, you were a Frank Zappa fan. He probably uh, doesn't know who that is. Uh, I've heard yes. the name. Oh, wow. Okay. Heard- so, Frank Zappa, go ahead. Heard the name? No. Don't, no. don't know anything about him. All right. Well, he, he gave some of his kids some original uh, names. Uh, the first child was uh, Moon Unit Zappa. Moon Unit? Yes. And the second child was Ian. Joey likes that, by the way. I can tell. Oh. It's like, whoa. Yeah. Totally. Uh, <laughs> Ian Donald Calvin Euclid Zappa. Okay. Also called Dweezil. Dweezil? Yes. Ahmed Emuka Roden Zappa. Muka? Uh, Emuka. Emuka. Yes. Wow. Sounds like something like you get when you have a cold. <laughs> That's yes. what I and coughed up earlier. Emuka. When we started the show. Wow. And Diva Thin Muffin Pigeon. You are not being serious. I am being serious. Randy, stop it. Did you get this on the, off the onion? No. no oh, my, no, or the my new name game. is Diva from now on. Diva? Just letting you know. Okay. Diva Thin Muffin. You're not allowed Enjoy. to name yourself, hypocrite. Well, uh, there are services <laughs> out there that are charging in excess of $30,000 to create a unique name for your child. All the money you save. How much? 30,000. Wow. 30,000? Yes, yes. Depending on which expert you ask, a child's name can determine everything from their future career success to popularity and spiritual connection. One company starts the process with 13 copywriters who brainstorm creative monikers, all checked by four historians who take a look back in time to make sure the names have never been used, and 12 translators who make sure the words don't have any bad connotations in other languages. Finally, Two trademark lawyers make sure the baby's name is not registered already as a brand or a product. The list of 15 to 25 possibilities then is then further narrowed down to five and further researched. The client's favorite names are then sent off to hundreds of people who provide feedback on which monikers appeal to them most. Once the name is selected, the staff creates a history and a mythology for the name and a scientific certificate, scientific certificate, from the naming center of the university in Leipzig. Wow. Yeah. That's some serious business. Yeah, so it's like the scientific certificate becomes a, an autographer, kind of, yeah. for the baby's history, right? Right, right. Well, we're just going to make one up. Uh, Mark Hauser, who runs the Switzerland-based naming agents, agency, Erf Volkswell, which is a name in mm. itself, admits that his own first name, Mark, hello, Marcus, would never make the cut of his firm because it is, it is connected to the name of an ancient Roman god of war. Mm. Oh. Whoa. Wouldn't want anything like that. Marcus. Dominion, Marcus. The holy <laughs> hand grenade of Dominion is calling. So so he doesn't name children like violent names? No, that, that wouldn't be sensitive. Oh, mm. oh, the names are sensitive. Well, some of them, <laughs> they, they mentioned they actually have categories for names. Like they mentioned... Uh, in, in one of the uh, sources I looked at, Polly was a name that wouldn't do well in business, but it was a good name if you just wanted to have somebody who was social and friendly. Okay. As an example. Polly. Yeah. Hey, Polly. Yeah. Hey, Polly. Bring over here. To get the cannoli over here, Polly. 
I don't know how friendly of a name Polly is. Polly. Yeah, like if you're a car, Sounds you're a, like used, a, mafia like a used car salesman named Polly. Hey, hey, do I'm Polly? <laughs> this car is good. Now, is this Paul E or Polly? P O L L Y. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. that was Polly. All I can think about is parrots. Speaking parrots. of parrots, I went to a parrot store this yeah, last weekend, <laughs> and, and we all uh, told them don't get a parrot. And uh, just because I was curious, what's what's what, what's a parrot about? You were not just curious; you went to buy a parrot, Joy. <laughs> I was I th- I I thought it would be an interesting thing to look into, and one of them pecked me really hard. You were going to carry it around <laughs> your shoulder, weren't you? I I might have gotten it and actually brought it here and done the radio show yeah. with it. Yeah. But everyone knows and I confirm this with your wife Candy that if you did get the parrot, you'd be really into it for about 2 to 3 weeks and after that, you would never pay attention to it again. You'd probably shoot it. Uh, all, all of these are lies about me. <laughs> all of these yeah, are I've known li- you for 20 years. <laughs> That's exactly what you would do. Okay. It's out of mouth out of mouth of two or three witnesses show every word be established and that's everyone Confirmed. who knows you. Yeah. Confirmed. 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 Yeah, okay, all right. And that's why you don't have a sense of you. Since we're holding to God's law here, I will agree. <laughs> you, you would look awesome with a parrot, though. Uh, I, I know. And a patch. And, and let me just say, these parrots are huge. They're huge. They're huge. They're huge parrots. And this this parrot store you go to a Mesa, they're just hanging out everywhere. And they are massive and terrifying. And I learned that parrots live as long as mm-hmm. humans. They live as long as yeah. we do, which is fascinating to me. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so they're, they're, we were told that they are very friendly but they can sense fear, and if you're afraid of them, they will they will capitalize on that fear, and they will get you. And so Turtle, my little my son Turtle, was trying to feed a piece of popcorn to this parrot, but he was all terrified, so he's like going back and forth. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna bite me. I was like, it's not. So then now at this point, the parrot's like, oh, there's some fear involved here. So then I go to give it the popcorn, and when I did, it went hard on me, and it grabbed <laughs> my finger and wouldn't let go. It was actually terrifying to have a creature that large. Put your finger in its mouth. Are you telling this story just to dis- disguise the fact that you were scared? Oh, I was and terrified. On, see, I was terrified. See, you're blaming it on Turtle. Oh, and this, but that bird knew how scared you were. One of them. One that, of, that, one bird, of, that bird was a Terry. Yeah, it was a Terry. <laughs> He's like, I'm on drag. Terry parrot. Lamb sclounced. <laughs> so, what? When Turtle walked by the big cage. It never gets old. Know, never gets old. He reaches his, <laughs> his talon out. like He's like on the cage, stretching it out as far as he can, trying to grab at Turtle's shirt. I mean, these yeah. things are really brilliant. Bird brains. I've seen Rio. I want no part he of that. He tried to grab his shirt, and he's getting the title brilliant. Yeah, it, it's brilliant. Because <laughs> like he, he, he negotiated his way around the cage to get like his talent out, and he's just stretching it out trying to grab turtles. He looked at Turtle, and he like winked at him and was like, I'm going to get you. He's like, saw, dude. It's <laughs> <laughs> like the point of dynamite. Those parrots have large talons. Talons? Okay, yeah. so I have to play this video of a really b- brilliant parrot now that we're talking about it. Okay. Is that okay? Yes. I'm totally interrupting your your story here. Hold on, let me pull this up. This was Kenny Kenny shared this. It's pretty cool actually. So let me uh it's right here. Here we go. Yep, I have yeah, there we go. With some animal sounds first. Can you do a... oh, okay. <laughs> Got a clear throat. Let's do a wolf. <laughs> Good. How about a bird? Can you do a bird? Good. Can you do an owl? Good owl. How about a rooster? <laughs> How about a penguin? Can you do a penguin? <laughs> a little bitty penguin for you. How about a chimpanzee? <laughs> Good job, Einstein. Can you 
Can you do a pig? Sometimes they get chunky. You think they need to go on a diet? How about diet? There you go. How about some tigers from the jungle? Yeah, they growl. What about a skunk? Stinker. So I, have a, I have a confession. Let's do some sound I have a confession to make. This is a, a providential thing here. The reason I went to the parrot store to contemplate getting a parrot was I saw this video come up in my feed oh, yeah. and I watched that I was wondering video. when I saw this if that's why. I watched that video yeah. and I went to the parrots. I walked in. They all looked at me all at once like 16 parents look, look over at me and they were all like Sided. <laughs> Sided. <laughs> they like this. Sod. <laughs> <laughs> With their talons, they were like, saw, dude. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, Randy? No, that, that's uh, that's totally fine. You know, I'm surprised based on your previous comment about uh, message machines going off at your house that you'd really want a parrot that could, like, repeat things. Just, <laughs> that doesn't true. seem like a good idea. That's true. That's true. All right. Yeah, I was thinking he would. you would just, like, teach it scripture, and then, like, while you were talking to Mormons or something, just, like, point to it. Right. And like, he'd be like... <laughs> That'd be pretty awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What's in a name? Uh, this story has a little age on it, but some weeks ago, the National Environment Research Council opened up the naming of their new $400 million ship to the public, who are the ones who paid for the thing, after all. Oh. Right? Now, usually things that are named by the government usually have an opposite correlation with the outcomes, like the No Child Left Behind Act, <laughs> the Affordable Care Act, <laughs> and the previously mentioned Equality Act. <laughs> So maybe asking the public for help is not without merit. However, the name which steamed ahead of its rivals was the RRS Bodie McBoatface. Bodie McBoatface? Bodie McBoatface, yes. I like uh, that. <laughs> so that, that name was about 10 times any of the competitors, right? So feeling that the name did not capture the majesty of the environmental ship, Science Minister Joe Johnson recently announced that the ship needs a more suitable name and promptly threw the whole idea overboard and torpedoed it. <laughs> oh, they would have named it wow. Titanic too. <laughs> Actually, that was floated. Oh my goodness! All right, well, we name our segment oh Apologia NPR, not Public Radio, and uh, we claim dominion over it. Yeah, right on. <laughs> I love NPR. <laughs> that was a great way to end. Floated it. Titanic and chill. Nice. Oh my goodness. Nice. Hey, Randy. I feel you. <laughs> you feel me? You feel I feel you. <laughs> All right, y'all. That was Steady Randy with Not Public Radio. NPR, let somebody know about Apologia Radio and our Not Public Radio segment. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be, we will be right back. Um, hey, go check out uh, our YouTube channel, Apologia Studios. Posted a bunch of new videos the last couple of days. I think it'll bless you guys. My sermon from this prior Sunday service was on loving your enemies. I think it'll bless you guys. Was uh, was a big blessing to me to study for that and to preach that sermon. Also, we have the messages up, isolated out. Marcus's message from the End Abortion Now event. My message, Dr. Joel McDermott. And so those are there for you guys. You guys can take a look at those, share those. One of those in particular I think will bless you was my message I had the opportunity to bring out Rebecca and the twin girls that were saved from Planned Parenthood in Tempe. It's a big blessing. So if you watch it for anything at all, watch it to check that out. I think it'll really, really encourage you guys. Um, also, I want to announce that um, coming up this year, 
Uh, Pastor Luke and I are going to Iowa. Uh, Australia and New Zealand are on the map. And apparently I'm going to be going to Oahu and Maui before our missions trip to Kauai for our church plant. And so if you live in Oahu or Maui, um, hopefully I'll be able to catch up with you there. We're coordinating with uh, churches on the islands to bring the gospel to those islands in a really powerful way. So uh, be looking for all that stuff, guys. Don't forget reformcon.org. Hook up with us at the conference. Be right back. ApologiaRadio.com. This is Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio. You can get us at ApologiaRadio.com. I'm also the pastor at Apologia Church in Tempe. You can get us at ApologiaChurch.com. want to invite you guys to join us for worship, the word, and fellowship on Sundays at 4 p.m. And that's Joy Tempe. Hey there. We are a family integrated church. So we invite you to bring your whole family to worship with us. This is Luke Pearson, the ministry bear, also discipleship pastor at Apologia Church. Like Jeff mentioned, we are now meeting at a new location and time, 4 p.m. on Sunday afternoons at Arizona Community Church. That's 9325 South Rural Road and Tempe. We're meeting in the Community Center, and that is between Warner and Ray off of Rural. Again, you can reach us on them internets at apologiachurch.com. Delicious beards are encouraged but not required. (laughs) Glory! We're back to the gospel order on the world. Apology Radio and Well, I mentioned you guys during uh, one of the breaks, Joy did say, which I thought was interesting, she's really, she's super gracious. Joy is not like a aggressive fighter kind of person, but she did say, and I thought this was interesting, that if there was a young girl in there, like a six-year-old girl in the bathroom, she probably would say something. Oh, yeah. Or, yeah. I mean, I'm not... Or not leave. I don't tend to generally worry about myself all that much. Yeah. I I don't know why. Maybe that's a bad thing. Maybe you're that's just stupid. You're just totally chilled. <laughs> but, but yeah, if, somebody, if there was a little girl in there, no way. I would... I'd be like, Luke, get out of here. Take the dress off. Get out of here and take the dress off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I, we have a bad some, impression of We me. have some very important <laughs> yes, I've news. I've never seen Luke wear a dress, just Thank to you. let you guys very know. Very big news. I have seen him self identify as a bear. I have seen him True. in and a Darth puddles. Vader helmet, yes. though. Darth <laughs> Vader. With no shirt on. <laughs> oh, that's embarrassing. Okay. So, yeah, we, we have some very important news, guys. Uh, really amazing things. For those of you guys that are all access already, uh, it's going to blow your minds. Uh, we do appreciate so very much those of you guys that send us messages all the time. Let us know how it's blessing you. We get those messages. We appreciate them. You guys are telling us you watch it with your families. Those of you guys that are learning and growing from it. Those of you guys that are using the content even from the academy uh, for your kids and their homeschooling. It's just a huge blessing to us to know that. Uh, John Sampson, Pastor John Sampson, is finishing up his series right now in Reformed Theology, The Doctrines of Grace. If you haven't seen that yet, check it out. All access. It's a big, big gift to us to have John Sampson do that. Uh, but we have some very big news. So if you guys are already all access, it's going to really encourage you guys because you know more is going to be coming. But for those of you guys that aren't all access yet, 
Uh, hopefully to encourage you guys to uh, step over that line, sign up, join with us, partner with us in this ministry, get all the additional content. We are now connecting with New St. Andrews College. Yes. New St. Andrews College and our all access isn't just going to have the content that we're putting out here at the studio here in Arizona. We are going to have new St. Andrews College content for our all access partners. So you guys are going to get college level courses, amazing courses for the all access. It's unreal. $7.95 donation. That's how you partner with us and you get all the additional content. You get the TV shows, you get the all access, you partner with us in ministry. It's absolutely amazing. New St. Andrews College and it's going to come when the new website comes apologiaradio.com i think it's apologiastudios.com that site is underway almost complete and when it comes out it's going to really really be different and it's going to change and be easier and um yeah so we're, we're actually going to moscow to new st andrews and we're filming stuff for the for you for you guys for the academy yeah so so it's not coming like tomorrow Right. But it's definitely going to be part of a completely new Apologia website. There's going to be way tons of content. Yes. Tons of lectures from amazing professors that they have there. Just tons of great stuff. And so you got to just sign up. Just sign up now. Just sign up now. It gives you, if you sign up now, you have enough time to watch all the TV shows we've done. And, That's right, and, and Academies. And John Sampson's 400-part series on Reformed Theology. <laughs> and Dr. James White. He's and, very thorough. He comes up and he's like, hey, can we just extend this class like two or three times? Like, yeah, we, sure. We can do whatever we what want. Yeah, it's like Colbert's like 434-part series on Better Know District. Yep. <laughs> all right, so sign up for all access as soon as you can, guys. ApologyRadio.com. Okay, so back into the discussion before we hit... Um, Hopefully get a chance to get to the MacArthur stuff, uh, dealing with the kingdom of God. Um, there is a really, really interesting uh, video that uh, recently came out, and it was college kids say the darndest things, and it has to do with the whole transgender identity issue. And I think what you hear on these college campuses will blow your mind. Are you aware of the debate happening in Washington State around um, the ability to access bathrooms, locker rooms, spas based on gender identity and gender expression? I, I think people should be able to have access to the facility. I think uh, bathrooms could and potentially should be gender neutral because there doesn't need to be a classification for differences. I think people definitely should have the ability to <laughs> go to whichever locker room they want. Uh, I feel like at least public universities should do their best to accommodate for those who do not have a specific uh, gender identity. You know, whether you identify as male or female and whether your sex at birth is matching to that, you should be able to utilize the resources. So if I told you that I was a woman, what would your response be? Good for you. Okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. Nice to meet you. I'd be like, why? <laughs> really? I don't have a problem with it. I'd ask you how you came to that conclusion. If I told you that I was Chinese, what would your response be? I mean, I might be a little surprised, but I would say, good for you. Like, yeah, be who you are. <laughs> I would maybe think you had some Chinese ancestor. I would ask you how you similarly came to that conclusion and why you came to that conclusion. Um, I would have a lot of questions just because on the outside, I would assume that you're a white man. 
If I told you that I was seven years old, what would your response be? Um, I wouldn't believe that immediately. Uh, immediately. <laughs> I probably wouldn't believe it, but I mean, I it wouldn't really bother me that much to go out of my way and tell you no, you're wrong. I'd just be like, oh, okay, he wants to say he's seven years old. If you feel seven at heart, then, <laughs> then so be it. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> so if I wanted to enroll in a first grade class, do you think I should be allowed to? Uh, probably not, I guess. I mean, unless you haven't completed first grade up to this point and for some reason need to do that now. If that's where you feel like mentally you should be, then I feel like there are communities that would accept you for that. I would say so long as you're not hindering society and you're not causing harm to other people, I feel like that should be an okay thing. If I told you I'm six feet, five inches, what would you say? question. Why? <laughs> because you're not. <laughs> no, I don't think you're 6'5". If you truly believed you're 6'5", I don't think it's harmful. I think it's fine if you believe that. It doesn't matter to me if you think you're taller than you are. <laughs> so you'd be willing to tell me I'm wrong? I wouldn't tell you you're wrong. No, but I say that um, I don't think that you are. I feel like that's not my place as like another human to say someone is wrong or to draw lines or boundaries. No, I mean, I wouldn't just go like, oh, you're wrong. Like, that's wrong to believe in it. Because, I mean, again, it doesn't really bother me what you want to think about your height or anything. So, I can be a Chinese woman. You... <laughs> um, sure. But I can't be a six foot five Chinese woman. Yes. If you thoroughly debated me or explained why you felt that you were six foot five... Uh, I feel like I would be very open to saying that you're six foot five or Chinese wow. or a woman. Yeah, I shouldn't. Well, got, there you go. I got one word: puddles. Puddles. Th those were puddles. The yeah, prophet. Puddles. Puddles. We did that like a year ago. It was a year ago. I did yeah. the, the the God's Not Dead conference in San Diego. Pastor Luke, uh, pastor, Pastor Luke, dressed up like a dog. And uh, Puddles went around interviewing and uh, asking the same questions. I'll be willing to bet this guy saw that video. He had to have. Yeah. I feel like it's the same thing. Yeah, it's from the uh, Family Policy Institute of Washington. So those were college students, right? Those were college students. That those is, weren't little kids. That is a very good reason to go to New St. Andrews. Yeah, those were college <laughs> students. Those were these Nicely kinds done. of people. No, it is. It is. Cause, cause nice pitch. That's that's what regular college gets you. What what the, what, what does college get you? Regular college. Re Aside. <laughs> gets you that. Yeah. Yeah. So New St. Andrews teaches students with a Christian worldview. Yep. And uh, they teach people not just like theology, but how to be. And this is their word: culture shapers. Which is so, very needed at the moment. Yeah. Uh, Jerry, you got um, something to say? Yeah, there's just one thing that this video... I saw this video here the other day, and there's only one thing that comes to mind listening to those people, those kids being interviewed. What's that? And that's John, I believe it's uh, John 18. Okay. Where, Jesus, where Pontius Pilate says, what is truth? Yeah. That's the one thing that comes what to mind. What is truth? It's no recollection. Yeah. It's bad. That's what atheism gives you. Well, yeah, I mean, it's exactly right, Luke. That's right. You you have a university that's a godless university that has a worldview that is antithetical to God's word, 
and you get grown people saying, oh, you might be a Chinese woman. <laughs> you might be six foot five. Uh, I guess so. And it's so funny because if you ask, like, what's in front of you right now? It's like a five foot nine white man. And you're telling me that, yeah, you could be a six foot five Chinese woman. And the other one is like, that's just silly. You're not six foot five. Like the female part, not so silly. Chinese part, not so silly. But she goes, six foot five. <laughs> you're not six foot five. <laughs> like, it's like, that's the thing. She's like, you can't say that one. And the answer is obvious. What would stop somebody from buying it is biologically. That's not what you yeah. are. And for some reason, we have been deluded into thinking that it's perfectly acceptable for a grown person to pretend to be a sex that they are not. And it's so crazy because, um, I mean, uh, I'm I'm the, okay, so Randy's the the oldest at the table right now. I would be the next oldest. So in the night, I graduated high school in 1996. My 20-year anniversary is coming up this September. I I think I'm actually going to go. I, I really oh. want I think I actually might because it's 20 years 20 year high school it's scary to even say that 20 year high school anniversary I can tell you right now that from 1996 till now this kind of stuff wouldn't have happened in 1996 in my school wouldn't have happened oh, there, yeah. there were kids I, in my school I, I knew this that were homosexual but they wouldn't come out and say it in 1996 in my high school that's because um, they were afraid you were kicking them over a bridge. No, no, no. So <laughs> in 1996, they wouldn't. Um, you're not supposed to say that on the radio. Um, in 1996, <laughs> touchy subject. They, they wouldn't. They wouldn't have said it. Um, but that was a joke. I know. T- today, it's just commonplace and accepted in college. Yeah, in college, right? Go ahead. No, I was just going to say I can remember going to my uh, 20th uh, high school reunion. Also, which was last and- year, right? Yeah, it seems like it, but I, I stopped going at that point because I found that everybody sent their parents instead. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, you want to know what I just can't stop thinking about? What's that, Joy? Um, so welcome to my brain here. But uh, when Marcus said uh, culture shaper, I was like, that's the name of a child. That's going to be the name of some child. Culture shaper. (laughs) Culture Culture shaper. shaper. (laughs) We know one thing. I I think that that guy that did that video, he should have gone for the jugular and and said, what if I think I'm black? Oh, that would be big. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they're like, oh, Chinese, you know, but like if he said black, like that, that uh, brings up some emotions. Yeah. And their training, yeah, because they're learning in, in yeah. college and in you know, these secular universities uh, so much about that issue, and it's such a highlight for them. So, yeah, you're right, Luke. That'd be a good point to bring up, and I think it would expose a lot. Uh, steady, yeah. Well, then we had Rachel uh, Dozel. Is that her Do- name? Dolezal. Yeah, yeah. She Dolezal. was back in the news too. And Is she? she? Yeah, she she sounded very new age. I can't remember which of uh, the morning program she was on, but she she's still uh, doubling down on that. Oh wow, wow. Rachel, really? Rachel Dolezal. Wow. Yeah, she was on a uh, television program where she was sitting down with a bunch of black women, and they were actually going going in at wow. her, like uh, because she's not black, and wow. they were you know just going right after her. So it's interesting to see that dynamic. Um, oh, let's do let's do this quickly, and uh, I think it'd be good. We haven't done it in a long time, so we used to do little bits, little segments. We had one; it was called "Being Bonson Busted." Little clips from Greg Bonson mm. debating and uh, Bonson busted. We had uh, what was Wilson's 
Wilson whooped or something. Uh, Teach me how to dougie. And we had uh, yeah. uh, we had uh, Dr. James White was a whitewashing. Yeah. A whitewashing. Well, here is, uh, just for a little fun today, Dr. James White uh, debating, or this little clip of a debate between Dr. James White and Gilbert Scharfs. Uh, PhD, James White, Gilbert Scharfs, and uh, he's a Mormon. And so here we go. Uh, Dr. Scharfs, um, in the scriptures, we are told that man <laughs> is dead in sin. What do you understand that phrase dead in sin to mean? I think that means that we are fallen, a fallen people as a result of the fall that uh, we all sin, we all make mistakes, and that uh, we will never find our way out of that dilemma until we accept Christ and He accepts us. Uh, I think that's what it means. In Romans 8, 7 through 8, the Apostle Paul said that those who are according to the flesh do not submit themselves to the law of God. They're not even able to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Um, is it your position, you just said that, that uh, a person who's dead in sin can accept Jesus. Um, would accepting Jesus be something that is good and pleasing in God's sight? Yes. So can a spiritually dead person do what is pleasing in God's sight in light of Romans chapter 8, verse 8, that says that those from the flesh cannot please God? Well, I made quite a study of all those scriptures that uh, seem to support that point of view. Uh, the scriptures make statements like that, but they also make the opposite statements. I found that in every one of those scriptures, like the one you quoted, almost on the same page, they also talk about the importance of effort and work. I think it would be an inhumane God who would not allow someone who is spiritually dead to come unto him. In fact, the first of the Beatitudes says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. The Book of Mormon incidentally adds the words, Who come unto me. Uh, yet I think it would be a cruel God who would rule out someone that is considered spiritually dead. So I, I have seen enough cases in my counseling of those who were spiritually dead, who did turn around and accept the grace of Christ and his teachings. So do you believe that it is wrong of God to, uh, to punish uh, sinners, such as, for example, Pharaoh, when, when in Romans 9, God says, I raised you up for this very purpose, that my name and power might be displayed in you, and my name might be made known throughout all the earth. Was that was, uh, I don't understand the phrase that that would be a cruel or, or hateful God. It, it, is not God able to bring his wrath against a sinner at any point in time? I think he could. Yes, that's possible. I'd just like to say this. Uh, for me to understand the scriptures, I read them in context. I um, study and ponder them. I have a book with 26 different translations of all the scriptures, which I use because I don't know Greek and Hebrew. And so I like to see what all the different uh, translators have said about the verses. Sometimes they're completely opposite. And that's where a lot of the confusion comes in. And uh, 
so I really don't feel qualified. When you pick a scripture, I'd have to read it in its context to see if what you're saying is, is really what I would agree with. Okay. Uh, well, I'm a, I'm a scripturalist first and foremost, and uh, I believe what I believe because the, of my study of the scriptures, and I, I believe the scriptures are consistent. So I hope you don't mind if I continue to base my comments upon the Bible. Um, maybe um, if I could, uh, for a moment, ask you a question about your understanding of Moroni 10.32 and then go back to some of those biblical passages. Uh, in Moroni chapter 10, we are told that if you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and if you will rid yourself of all ungodliness, then is the grace of Christ sufficient for you. Um, do you know of, uh, am I misinterpreting the passage uh, to understand that uh, this is very similar to the LDS Bible Dictionary that speaks of total effort uh, being required on the part of a person who would avail themselves of the, the grace and mercy of God? Uh, yes, that seems to be the case. Uh, and again, I, I don't find fault, as I said earlier, with that biblical dictionary. If you're interested, I could get, give you examples. You, you've talked about the Bible being infallible, inerrant. Uh, as I read all these different translations, which one is uh, inerrant? For example, Job 19.26 uh, says, Without my body I shall see Christ. And so I find many Christian people who don't believe in a physical resurrection based on that one verse. Whereas other translations say, Within my body I shall see Christ. Which version is correct? The Jewish uh, Torah says, from without, uh, from without, from my body I shall see God. So I don't know what that means, from within or from without. So what I'm saying is there are so many examples of contradictions in the Bible. Well, sir, I, I would be glad to, uh, to respond to those, but this is my time to ask questions, and I will make comments on those because I the, 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 the inerrant Bible is that which is written by the Holy Spirit of God in Greek and Hebrew. Uh, but uh, Moroni 10.32 does say that a person has to love God perfectly. Um, do you know of anyone who's ever done that? I, I can't say yay or nay. Uh, Okay. I think I'm trying to, and I, need a, I have a long way to go, but there may be some who, who have achieved that level. So if you have to love God perfectly and rid yourself of all ungodliness before the grace of Christ is sufficient for you, who could ever avail themselves of the grace of Christ? I don't know. Oh, there you go. So, uh, yeah. So I tried to find a song that would match that kind of clip with Dr. James White. And the only thing I can come up with is, uh, is, uh, is this, this, this appropriate, I think. Pick up the song. Now don't try to bluff. Work up a leather. When you got enough, <laughs> your hands full of water. Start to slap and go. <laughs> That's why I wash it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's, uh, funny. that's an important uh, that's an important element. Uh, before we go to a quick break and in our last uh, quick segment, um, uh, starting off the discussion, we talk about our our sin nature before God. It's really really important when we talk about Calvinism. We talk about Reformed theology and why does it matter? People will often say, "Well, that's a debate that cannot be settled." Those are questions that cannot really be answered ultimately because there are good Christian men and women on both sides of the issue. And so we can't really come.
come to an agreement. People say it's sort of a hands-off. But yeah. to be to be very, very serious about it, we need to point to the fact that these issues between Calvinism and Arminianism, the issues of free will and total depravity, those are issues that cross over into the discussion you have when you evangelize the Mormon. It comes up right there with Dr. James White. And what is a dead sinner capable of? Ephesians chapter 2 says that we were dead in our sins and trespasses by nature children of wrath, something that uh, Pastor Luke's wife uh, said a very long time ago. I love it she said what can a dead man do what can somebody who is spiritually dead and alienated from god what can a dead person do answer nothing and so when uh dr white brings up romans chapter 8 those who are in the flesh cannot please god they cannot submit to the law of god they're not even able mm-hmm. to do so so if somebody is alienated from god they are dead under sins and trespasses they are fallen they are sinners jesus says whoever commits sin is a slave of sin they are slaves of sin how can we say somebody who is a slave of sin everybody is because we've all sinned jesus said whoever commits sin is a slave of sin so that's everybody in the world is a slave of sin how can we ever say that a slave is free jesus says you're a slave how do we ever get the idea that we have a free Will. Our wills are active, very active, but they're enslaved to a sinful nature. We're fallen people. And so that's very, very important. And it does come up. So when someone says, I don't think the Calvinism and a reform theology discussion is important. I'm not going to pursue that discussion. Believe me, it's important because the conversation does come up with the Mormon. It does come up with the Jehovah's Witness. It does come up with the Roman Catholic. What you believe about the nature of a fallen person does begin to trickle its way into what you believe about the grace of God. And, and point... In fact, you see that in this discussion, then you start getting into discussions about Mormonism and what the Book of Mormon says about how a person gets the grace of God. And what's it say? It says that you have to repent. It says you have to basically rid yourself of all ungodliness. And then what? Then the grace of God is sufficient for you. So what Mm -hmm. do you have to do? You do all your work first as a sinful, fallen person. You repent. You get rid of all unrighteousness and ungodliness. And then you get the grace. What does the famous passage in 2 Nephi 25-23 say? It says, by grace you are saved after all you can do. So it's the do, and mm-hmm. then you get the grace. And that's every man-centered view of salvation is the same. It all goes back to that single point. It's you contributing in some way to the grace of God. And this discussion about total depravity and the fallen nature of human beings and the grace of God is vitally important. It has to do with the preservation and defense of the gospel. That was a fantastic discussion. encourage you guys, if you haven't done so yet, go to YouTube, type in Dr. James White and debate, and you will just have just... Scores of debates with Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, Muslims, Roman Catholics, atheists, um, just tons of debates. I mean, it's just a treasure for the church. And so, yeah, there you go. Right. All right. Quick break. We're going to come back and do a quick segment. And we're going to talk. We're going to do phone calls. Are we going to do phone calls? You told everybody we were. Why? I didn't see a lot of responses. Well, we should still do it. Okay. We'll see. I'm going to try to do a little bit of a response to... John MacArthur's discussion on eschatology. I thought it'd be helpful and a blessing. We love the man. It'd be good to talk about it. So we will be right back. ApologiaRadio.com. I'm Nathan Bell. And I'm Greg Dutcher. Greg and I have the privilege of co-hosting These Go to 11 podcasts. We cover everything from amillennialism to Zeus worship. See what I did there, bro? A to Z? Yeah, but we do talk a lot about everything. Theology, movies, books, politics, and we have great guests on too. Tim Challey, Stephen Altrogi, Dr. John Frame, authors that make us think. 
And we're not afraid of controversy either. Calvinism and Arminianism, charismatic gifts. If it's a lightning rod, then we're going to set it high on the roof in a thunderstorm. So join us each week. At least one new episode is released every Tuesday night after 10 because every episode goes to what, Greg? Oh, we'll just let Nigel say it. These go to 11. If you haven't got a chance to listen to it yet, you should check out the, uh, I think it was uh, two episodes ago, we did the Mind Candy episode. Yes. It was pretty sweet. Hung out outside of uh, my neighbor's house, actually, by the pool. Dr. McDermott made us dinner, and we sat outside around the table and had a really, really cool discussion. Uh, just kind of on the fly. I think it'll really bless you guys. Saw a lot of really good feedback from you guys. It was encouraging. A lot of really amazing jewels in that conversation. Mm-hmm. It was a gift. All right. So, um, Dr. John MacArthur is a fantastic um, pastor, an exegete. Um, he has just been a gift to the body of Christ this last generation. And as a matter of fact, if you don't know this, uh, when I came out of drug and alcohol addiction, um, I believe that I legitimately came to Christ. Uh, only God knows the truth about my conversion. And, you know, before that, it was truly a false profession of faith. I think that it was. Uh, but uh, it was Dr. John MacArthur's book, The Gospel According to Jesus, that brought me to a place where I was convicted over my sin, knew my need for Christ and repentance towards God. And so, uh, Dr. John MacArthur... Um, I believe is probably responsible for giving me the gospel to where I've truly understood it. Um, so, uh, Dr. MacArthur uh, is a dispensational premillennialist, and so he believes in the popular modern view of dispensational premillennialism. It's a popular view with the secret rapture, seven years of tribulation, the thousand-year earthly physical reign of Christ on earth. Now, there's a whole show we can do on the subject. We've done shows on the subject before. But I thought this would be helpful. It would be, I think, um, a good conversation to have. Dr. MacArthur spoke um, on the Great Tribulation, and I think uh, we can engage with it a little bit. I think hopefully it'll whet your appetite. We're in a study right now at the at Apologia Church called The Kingdom of God. Um, we're studying the Gospel according to Matthew verse by verse um, we are in Matthew chapter 5 right now, the Sermon on the Mount. We've been going over that series now for about two years, I think. And um, so this is uh, a topic that's near and dear to our hearts and important to us. And so I thought it'd be good to engage with this a little bit, talking about the future tribulation. Uh, and here's why I thought it'd be good. Because um, the, the world, the way that it is today, um, we're, we're tempted to see the bad things that are happening. We're tempted to see the transgender issue, the bathroom issue. We're tempted to see a lot of the moral decay. We're tempted to see the political um, uh, s- situation we're in right now. We're tempted to see it as, well, uh, Christ is losing 
the church is losing in history, and so the world is not getting better kind of thing. But if you think in terms of the scope of history, and you look at how the kingdom of God began in history and how the church grew in history, and you see where we're at now, you see, wow, Christ is actually triumphing over his enemies. The gospel is going out to the ends of the earth, and you see that, of course, there are moments of great difficulty. Nobody's looking at this through rose-colored glasses and Mm. saying there aren't evil things going on. Of course, there are. But if you look at it through history, you begin to see that, yes, the gospel is going forth. Yes, people are changing. For example, uh, R.C. Sproul Jr. was on our show um, a while back, and he brought up the fact that, look, when you look at America today and you say, man, things are not good right now, look at who we have running for president, look at how bad things are at the moment, look at how much we've lost in terms of the Christian worldview, you know, if you look at it right now, you say, wow, we're not doing so well. But if you look at it, the fact that four or 500 years ago, how many Christians were on this continent? Right. A lot less. You begin to see things different. I mean, you can count them on your hands. And I mean, that's important to point out. And when you look at the fact that right now, you know, there are, are lots of studies out there you can look at yourself, just do some research on it, that in other nations besides the United States, there are huge revivals happening. There are um, uh, large numbers of Muslims coming to Christ, Chinese people coming to Christ. China. China. You see that um, actually China, uh, according to one article, is on track to be the most Christian nation, I think yeah. by the year 2025, uh, having the most Christ- professing Christians in it. So you see, you know, the gospel is moving forward. Now, here's the thing. How does sanctification work? All at once? No. It happens over time. It happens individually over time, and it happens with the church over time. And when we believe that what Jesus says, that the the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed in, in, a, in, a, in leaven in a lump of dough and it permeates the entirety of the loaf over time slowly you can't see it working necessarily right in front of you or hear it working but it happens it fills the entirety of the loaf or when you believe jesus when he says the kingdom of god is like a mustard seed it's the smallest of all seeds mm-hmm. um, and then it becomes this tree that's you know larger than men um even you, you believe that you see that through over time the kingdom of god grows in history and it encompasses the world and all the families of the earth return and worship the lord you begin to see that like look the kingdom of God growing in history is going to come with great difficulties. It's going to come with times of, of great despair and struggle, but then victory. And if you look at the history of the church, you see that. You see great moments of darkness. I mean, think about the Reformation. Before I hit MacArthur real fast, think about the Reformation. The, the, the slogan of the Reformation was after darkness, light. light. Right? There was a time where there was great doctrinal corruption and decay and after this time of great darkness there was light we've had moments like this before in history and it has to do ultimately with the church itself herself repenting coming back to our savior submitting to him to his word and you see that transformation happen in history and right before your eyes Uh, but here is just a quick discussion dr john macarthur on the future tribulation he's preaching on mark chapter 13 verses 14 through 23 So in a very real sense, this is a very, very important moment for our Lord. His final day of public teaching has been concluded. Spent the whole day in the temple. He arrived in Jerusalem on Monday. On Tuesday, he went and attacked and assaulted the temple and threw out the buyers and sellers that were there and prepared that temple for his entrance on Wednesday, went in and used that full day to teach the truth in that place. First time in hundreds of years the truth had dominated the temple. But for a day he taught his final lessons, his final messages. Then he pronounced judgment on the temple, judgment on Israel, 
as well. He left the temple. His disciples followed Him. They went out the eastern gate, uh, down the little bank, across the Kidron Valley, the little stream that runs there, up the slope to the Mount of Olives, and He sat with His disciples on the Mount of Olives in the dusk of Wednesday. So important uh, thing to note here in terms of like unpacking the text, it's really fantastic that um, John MacArthur does give you the context. He does explain to you the situation. It is true that Jesus had just, you know, torn up the temple. It is true that Jesus had had been condemning the Jewish people there, the leadership and the temple. And so that's the context. And so when Jesus departs from the temple and he goes to the Mount of Olives, mm. it is interesting to note this is a powerful thing to pay attention to, that Jesus took the same course away from the temple as the glory of God in the Old Testament when God departed from the mm. temple um, in, in judgment. And so here Jesus is now taking the same course that God took in the Old Testament when he condemns the people and the temple before that temple is ultimately destroyed. Jesus now condemns those people, that temple, and now takes the same course. It goes mm -hmm. the same direction now on the Mount of Olives. And so the context here is the Jewish people. The context here is the temple. And they looked and they saw the temple fading in the glow of evening. That prompted a question on the part of the disciples, as you remember. They asked Him privately in verse 4 of chapter 13, when will these things be, that is, the destruction of the temple, and what will be the sign when all these things are going to be fulfilled? They wanted to know about the end of the age. Important. Exactly, exactly right. That's the context. They're asking the question right. about the temple's destruction, because it's important to note here that it's not about the end of the world. That's important. So if you read Mark 13, Luke 21, Matthew 24, those are parallel um, uh, accounts of the Olivet Discourse, okay? So you put those together side by side and you read those together, you've got the same discourse, it's about the same thing, same point of contact, and, doc and Dr. MacArthur is exactly right. It's about the destruction of the temple, and when Jesus says the temple's going to be destroyed, that signals for them the end of the age. Aeon. Yeah, and not the end of the world, the end of the age. So that is the context. Matthew's account of this, he says, they asked about the end of the age and His coming. Jesus had told them, I'm going to die and rise again. Um, maybe they had come to some understanding of that, although they resisted it. But more importantly to them, w whatever that meant, they wanted to see the establishment of the kingdom. and. And Jesus has just said to them, this thing is coming down, not one stone will be left on another, this system will be destroyed, this temple will be destroyed, and with it, the city and the nation. Yes, and that's exactly right as well. And they did want to know about the arrival of the kingdom of God in history. Because here's the thing, and MacArthur is going to actually talk about this brilliantly in a moment. The Old Testament did tell us a lot of different facets of the ministry and work of the Messiah. For example, it shows him as the conquering king of the world, Psalm 110. Mm -hmm. He puts his enemies under his feet and he must reign until all his enemies are made a footstool for his feet, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. So this Messiah is going to conquer. The Messiah is going to bring all the nations to God, Isaiah chapter 2, Isaiah chapter 11, uh, Psalm chapter 22, the passion of the Messiah, all the families of the earth return and they worship before the Lord. Um, the promise was to Abraham's seed that all the nations of the earth were going to be blessed and that Abraham was going to have descendants as numerous as the what? 
stars Earth. and the sand, right? And so that's a lot of descendants. Mm-hmm. They also knew the Messiah was not just going to be a conquering king, but if they would have paid attention to their Bibles, they would have seen the Messiah was going to be a suffering servant. Mm-hmm. Isaiah 53, he was actually going to pay the penalty for the sins of God's people. He was going to be counted among the, the rebels. He was going to be, he was going to justify the many as he would bear their iniquities in Isaiah 53. And so they understood like there's this complex thing happening with the Messiah, but they also understood the Messiah was bringing a kingdom. Now that can't be forgotten. That's very important. The descendant of David was going to rule on the throne of David and he was going to be the king. They understood Daniel chapter two, if they would have read that Daniel two, talking during the time of the Babylonian uh, situation, the captivity and everything, they understood there were going to be four kingdoms. When the Messiah's kingdom comes in, it would be during the time of the fourth kingdom. And if you count down in Daniel 2 from Babylon, you have four kingdoms landing on Rome. And that is precisely where Jesus enters into history. Jesus, I mean, think about this. John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3 in Matthew 3, the first words out of his mouth in Matthew chapter 3 is repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mm-hmm. And then when Jesus defeats Satan in the wilderness and does what Israel didn't do and does what Adam didn't do, and that is obey God and stand on his word, when he comes out of the wilderness, it says what? It says that he goes proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. kingdom. And so he's proclaiming now the good news of the kingdom when he comes out of the wilderness. And the first thing he says out of the wilderness is repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so that, that was such an important aspect to them that the Messiah would bring the kingdom. And so Dr. MacArthur is exactly right. When, when they're learning about the destruction of that temple and then Jesus departs the same direction God did in judgment on the temple. And he's now on the Mount of Olives and they're like freaking out now because the temple is going to be destroyed. And this signals the end of the age. They were anticipating the rule of the Messiah in history, the kingdom of God. And so he's exactly right. That's the context. That's where all these questions have to come. When is this all going to happen? When is the kingdom coming? When are you going to establish your rule and your glory? That prompts a question for which our Lord gives the longest answer to any question asked Him in the Gospels. He answers the question about what is going to happen before He comes back to establish His kingdom. It all is precipitated on the fact that there's a future kingdom a future return of Christ to establish His kingdom on the earth to fulfill all messianic prophecy. And the Old Testament promised the Messiah would come, the Messiah would bring salvation, He would fulfill all the promises given to Abraham, all the promises given to David, all the extended promises related to the new covenant spoken to Ezekiel and to Jeremiah. In other words, everything that the Old Testament promised in the millennial kingdom to come. There you go. So uh, what's happening here is you, you begin to see the power of your presuppositions, yeah. the power of your tradition, right? Uh, because how is MacArthur already explaining this? He's explaining it in terms of... The millennial kingdom. Really the millennial kingdom, the future millennial kingdom. Because the question, of course, for Jesus' disciples was this future return of Christ in judgment, by the way, and the future um, uh, kingdom of the Messiah. But it's important to note that it was future to whom? To the first century people that he was speaking to. Right. 
There's a future, of course, to them, but there's also an important element we have to talk about. Jesus said, I already gave you Matthew chapter um, four, where Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I gave you Matthew three, John the Baptist saying what? So the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But you can also look at Matthew chapter 10, where Jesus says that they wouldn't finish going through the cities of Israel before the son of man comes. Mm -hmm. Who wouldn't? His disciples wouldn't do what? Wouldn't finish going through the cities of Israel until what? Until the son of man Mm -hmm. comes. There's no way out of that. Jesus said he was returning in judgment before they they even finished going through the cities of Israel. So what he says in Matthew chapter 16, he says that some of them standing there would not taste death until they saw that kingdom come with power. They knew that they wouldn't all die. Now, if you were tried, if you were to try to say, well, then the transfiguration happened and that's what he was pointing to. Well, not really because none of them died at that point. We need to find those people still living. So right. none of them died. The now, he said, some of you won't die until, until you see the kingdom of God that come with power. But it, it's important to point to the fact also that if you read the parallel passages, this is big, by the way. I'm not sure if you guys know this. In Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, if you read Luke's account of the Olivet Discourse, look what he says. Look what he says about the kingdom. This is, this is really, really important. So in Luke 21, starting in verse 29, and he told them the parable, look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also when you, who's he talking to? Me? Who's he talking to? 21st century Christians? Who's he talking to? He's talking to the disciples Mm -hmm. that were in front of him who were asking the question that was related to the destruction of the temple and all that Jesus said was going to take place. He says, so also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Mm -hmm. What generation? The generation he was then speaking to. Every time in the Gospels, this generation is used. It's used in reference to the current generation in front of him. That's who he's addressing. And he says, all the, this generation will not pass away until what things have taken place? All has taken place. All what? All that he describes in the Olivet Discourse. And But notice, notice, he says in verse 31, so also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is what? Near. Near. At it's, hand. They, they, they understood, reach. exactly. So Jesus did say, remember this, guys? And if you read Matthew chapter 12, Jesus says what about the kingdom? He says to those who are accusing him of hooking up with the devil, of working with Satan, he says this. He says, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God, what? Has Mm -hmm. come upon you. He taught that it was near at hand, that it had come upon them, but there was this period of time where you have the old covenant order still hanging around. Although it's defunct at the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, it's still hanging out. The parts and pieces are still there. They're still offering animal sacrifices. That old Um, covenant is still, the world is still hanging around. That age is still hanging around. And when Jesus returned in judgment with the destruction of Jerusalem upon the covenant breakers, that old covenant was destroyed. And what? The kingdom of God had broken into history. Is it done yet? No. The consummation has not come yet, but it is advancing. It is growing in the world. And it's just very, very powerful to pay attention to the the power of tradition and how you can have a particular view of the kingdom, how it must be future to us today. And that can so dramatically impact how you look at even a prophecy of Jesus like this one 
in Mark. The, the, the prophet Isaiah, even in chapter 11 of Isaiah and following, speaks of the glories of the kingdom. So they want to know, when are you going to establish the kingdom? You are the king. You are the Messiah. We know that. You are David's son, but you are David's Lord. You are the son of the living God. You are the Christ, the Messiah. When is the kingdom coming? That was on their minds. In answer to that, our Lord gives them a picture of the history between that evening and His kingdom. What that means is our Lord tells them what the future is going to be. They didn't know how long that would be because He even says to them, no one knows the day nor the hour, not even the Son of Man, but only the Father who is in heaven. He didn't tell them when, but He told them what to expect, and He told us what to expect, and future generations what to expect. There you go. Did you guys mm -hmm. catch that? Yep. That is vitally important. It shows the power of tradition, guys. We all have them. Mm -hmm. We all have them. Everybody has traditions. If you say you don't have traditions, as Dr. White says, then you are the person plagued with the very most of them, because it means you're not looking for it. Because if you read Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, and you read the context, it is exactly set up the way that Dr. MacArthur says that it is, and he is speaking to that generation about the destruction of the temple and what they are to expect. It wasn't written to future generations because, and, and proof of that, proof of that is in Mark chapter 13. Mark 13, how does the discourse end? Well, it ends in verse, in verse 30, at least this particular portion. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. How about in Matthew 24? Where does it end in Matthew 24? Well, if you look at Matthew 24, verse 34, he says, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. And same thing in Luke chapter 20, sorry, 21, Mark 13, all these passages clearly speak to that generation and what they were to expect. Dr. MacArthur is exactly right. The context is the context of the kingdom. The context is the context of the destruction of the temple. The only problem is... That kingdom is, is not to be expected future to us. It has arrived in history. It has arrived in history. It is advancing now. And, and I want Jerry to, to speak. I know you were ready to say something. But I want to say, why would I bring, this, bring up this discussion today? Well, I bring up the discussion today because we just had an entire show. We had an entire show about what? About gender confusion. Mm -hmm. about transgenders in bathrooms. We had an entire show that really display the, dis the de decay of the culture. It really displays the need for Christians to be a militant church, a fighting church that brings the gospel into the world that affects the world and the culture. Because here's the thing. If Jesus is king now and he brought that anticipated messianic kingdom in history as it is already in history, that means that he's ruling now and has all authority in heaven and on earth now as he says in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, which means that we should be going forth with the message of the king and his kingdom in such a way that it is with courage and bravery, not expecting that, well, we need to wait till later when he comes back with full authority with that kingdom on earth. No, he has the authority now and we go forth with the gospel now expecting, anticipating the world to change because of Jesus and his salvation and his authority in the world. Do you see how important eschatology is? It's vitally important. And I want to say that MacArthur... Bless the man, he is a gift to the church and to my life, led me to Christ, um, does often talk about 
how um, political stuff, we don't get involved in those sorts of things. We have a different kind of focus now, right? right? He has a, right. a different kind of focus now. Well, you know, if you believe the kingdom's arrived in history and Jesus is going forth now to conquer now, well, you face the culture in a different way. You face the culture with a different kind of courage and boldness. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. There are premillennialists that live like bold post-millennialists. Yeah. Like Dr. Brown. He's like, I don't care yeah. that, you know, that we, things might get bad before Jesus comes. We are to do our duty yeah. and to win this fight now. And I, I appreciate that. But I think it's very much like the person sending people out on a battlefield saying, I guarantee you're going to lose. Now go do your best. Yeah. Like that's, you know, it, mm-hmm. it sort of destroys things a bit. But go ahead. Yeah, just when you're talking about the context of tradition when yes. it comes to doing a biblical interpretation, it's always amazing to see the the exegesis that comes to Matthew 24. We're just talking about that when Jesus gives specifics about the temple in their time. Yes. And the disciples ask them a specific question about a building that they are looking at. Right. And he says, this temple is going to be destroyed. And the disciples ask, when will these things be? And they're looking specifically at the temple in that time. Yes. And so the fact that in order to be a dispensational, what I what I, I could never get into trying to at least get their point of view is how do you get the justification that the disciples ask a specific question about specific events at a specific point in time about a, a specific location, and somehow Jesus manages to answer that question by jumping forward you know how many thousands of years till the end of time happens yeah yeah that, that's really that's really the jump that they are making and even yeah. you know like i said i love dr macarthur the gospel according to jesus yes one of my all-time favorite books yep. completely changed uh, my view and perspective just going through john 3 john 4 really amazing it just he has to make that jump because yes. you're having to fit your tradition the same thing too when remember we when we first met about understanding the when you're going to bible college the inter- how People dispensationalists were interpreting uh, Daniel nine, yeah, and Daniel, Daniel nine. seven, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, no, yeah, too, and also the seventy weeks, yes, like how seventy they, weeks, yes, how they put their tradition, how they spread that out. Yeah, you slip in a gap that's mm-hmm. not in the text because it must be there because of your system, right? And in Matthew twenty four is powerful because Jesus, after he's asked the question, um, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Jesus answered them, "See that no one leads you astray." For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be Mm -hmm. famines, earthquakes in various places. Here's the thing. All of those things took place in that generation. As a matter of fact, you have some of it actually laid out for you in Scripture. Mm -hmm. How many times do you see in the New Testament the false Christ and the false prophets coming into the New Testament? You also have the account of Josephus in the first century where Josephus records that that generation was so plagued with false messiahs leading people astray. You also have to take note of the fact this is really powerful that Jesus said this discourse during the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, where Rome essentially enforced peace. And so it would have been a shocker for them to hear from Jesus that there's going to be wars and rumors of wars, mm-hmm. because this is during the Pax Romana. Yes. It's kind of a big deal for Jesus to say wars and rumors of wars during that. But guess what? It happened. Josephus recorded that it was as though every nation was fighting against every nation. They mm-hmm. were The whole war world was at war with itself. And it's just powerful to see that Jesus nailed it. And he says they're going to deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. You see that in a book of Revelation. 
You see the Christians being persecuted by both Rome and the Jews. You see the persecution of the Christians in the book of Acts. You see all these warnings. And then you also see, this is powerful, Matthew 24, verse 15, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, he says, let the reader understand. When you read Luke's account of that, go read Luke. When Luke actually says the same thing, he says, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, Mm -hmm. when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, do what? He says, flee to the mountains. Now watch this. What did the early Christians do? As a matter of record, fled. they fled. When Rome sacked the city, Rome then backed off and fled. The Christians in Jerusalem left Jerusalem and fled to a town called Pella. And then Rome came back and resacked the city. Why did they leave? Why did they leave the city to Pella? Because Jesus warned them mm. in the Olivet Discourse that when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, flee. And they did. Now, you'll also ask the question, and I want to just at least touch it. Well, what about the stars falling from heaven and the sun dark and the moon turned to blood? What about that jazz? (laughs) Well, Jesus is just quoting from Isaiah. What's interesting, though, is in Isaiah, when God used that graphic prophetic hyperbole, when he used it, he was using it in reference to Babylon, to Egypt, all these other pagan nations. God used graphic prophetic hyperbole to describe the destruction of that nation it was a cosmic deconstruction language he's gonna the world is gonna fall on you the sky is gonna fall on your head kind of stuff right so you mean to say that john Hagee's book blood moon which is now being used as paperweights yes is, is actually that interpretation's not incorrect. accurate absolutely incorrect wow. but when G, watch this this is powerful he just said their temple's gonna be destroyed the age is gonna be over The judgment's coming on the covenant breakers. And what's he do? He takes a verse in Isaiah where God is condemning pagan nations and he's going to destroy them. He takes that verse directed towards pagans and he now directs it to who? The Jews of Mm. his day, the covenant breakers of his day. So that was judgment language, y'all. I mean, there's much more can be said and we've done shows on it, but I I wanted to to touch that today because I thought it would be important for us to start talking about the kingdom of Jesus, his authority, rule, and reign, and the fact that as Christians, we ought to be engaging the world in a bold way because he's the king. Mm. And what are we to expect in the future? 1 Corinthians 15. Just read it. Go read it. It says that he's reigning now. All yep. his enemies under his feet. The last one is death. Everything's going to be put into subjection to Jesus. And when that happens, Jesus then delivers the kingdom over to the Father. According to Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, we're not waiting for Jesus to come to bring the kingdom It's already arrived in history. Jesus is going to deliver the kingdom to the Father after everything's put into subjection to him. How's it take place? The gospel, y'all. Yeah, and I think I want to give a plug real quick, just in context of what you're saying. We all all love Dr. uh, Dr. R.C. Sproul here. Yes, yes. Um, So for those of you, if this is what Jeff's talking about is new to you guys, there's a great book. Uh, One of the first books I read on the subject called The Last Days According to Jesus. That's really a great introduction to um, this view of Matthew 24 in the yes. context of first century events. It's very edifying, um, and it just really will open your eyes to how the new... It really opened... When I first time I read it, it really opened my eyes to how the how congruent the new Old Testament and the New Testament becomes. Yes. Really a big thing. So last days, according to Jesus look up Amazon, them internet, so wherever. Yeah. And get it. Yeah, and, and what does it do in the end, though, Jerry? I think the thing that it does the most for me is it demonstrates that, it demonstrates that Jesus is, in fact, the one that he said he was. Mm-hmm. He's, he's the promised Messiah. 
He kept his word. When he said that that generation was going to experience all those things, they did in the way that he said that they would. And Jesus is the king. And it just inspires me to follow him. And what was even more reassuring for me when I first read that is because it was based on historical events, not based off of the lay off of all the Bible prophecy experts, quote unquote, who at the end of the day, they still have a batting average of zero. Yeah. Yeah. Fail. So um, again, reaffirm. I want to reaffirm my absolute undying affection for Dr. John MacArthur. He is a wonderful man of God. I think in this area, he's wrong. And I think in this area, he's wrong in such a way that it, it does some damage. It does some damage to our witness as a church. And I think it'd be good for us to get away from that and uh, to be corrected. And we need to be corrected by the text, the text of God's word. And uh, it's important stuff. It's important stuff as you face the world, guys. It's okay to disagree. It's okay to disagree. <laughs> yeah, we can it's, do it. Yeah, Christians. And still be gracious. Christians disagree. They argue. Have a good cry. Get over it. Let's move forward. Okay. <laughs> um, but no, it, it, seriously, it, this is important stuff because we face a culture today that is rotting and spoiling, and we need to be salt and light to it. It's the church and the church's proclamation of the gospel that brings the transformation of the world by God's spirit. Mm-hmm. And so we need to do it. We need to be about it, and we need to stop running away from the culture we need to stop giving up land to the culture and to the unbelievers and start affecting the world with the word of god amen amen, amen and amen all right y'all don't forget to go to missionaware.com pastor luke is wearing a cool shirt right now it says kill sin or it will be killing you yeah yeah who knows who said that another um, one john yes owen yes, yes mortification of sin Y'all, great hey Jeff. Buff. Yeah, we should have people call the glory line and leave a glory mail. Okay, how do they do it again? Nine oh nine sixty five glory. Nine oh nine sixty five glory. Leave us a message and we will play it on Apologia yeah. Radio. We haven't done it in a long time. We haven't. Let's we do it. About it. Nine oh nine sixty five yeah. glory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, uh, Jeff. Just so you know, I do have a confession to make. Okay. Um. So every single time I hear the book, the mortification of sin. Yes. In my mind. Mortiv- when you say mortification, yes. I just hear Mortimer. Mortimer, Mortimer. So I'm like, so I'm like the, the Mortimer of sin. The Mortimer-cation. Back in my day, we used to talk to each other in church like men. We talked to each other like men, like not like little boys. We said, kill sin or kill us every kill us The Mortimer-cation of sin. Mortification of sin. <laughs> this show mortifies spin. No spin doctors on this show. Hey, Joy. Yes. I love you. <laughs> Thanks, Joy, Marty. Joy is hanging on by a Thanks thread right now. She's been, up, she's been up all night. Morty. Listening to bread. Hey, hey, Morty. Morty. Where do you live? Uh, the Boca Vista? The Boca Vista. Um, all right, guys. Joy, thank you. Wait, I want to hear Mortimer do the Key and Peel thing. Which one? Drax. That. <laughs> Ooh, I just stumped you. This is Mortimer. I want to tell you, TSA, you put your hands on me, you touch my bags, I'm going to drag. Um, <laughs> Missionaware.com, guys. We're going to share it. They support us. You should support them. Joy the Girl, Luke the Bear, Nostradamus, King Ginger. We'll catch you guys next week. ApologiaRadio.com. What's up, y'all? This is Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio at ApologiaRadio.com. 
want to talk to you guys about an amazing connection that we have right now with Whitfield Theological Seminary. I want you to run over to whitfield.edu, whitfield.edu, W-H-I-T-E-F-I-E-L-D.edu. I want you to check out the programs they have. They have undergraduate programs at Whitfield College, and they also have Whitfield Theological Seminary for the graduate degree and above and beyond. I, I think you'll really be impressed with the rigorous nature of the classes the consistent biblical worldview taught and adhered to. I want you to contact Whitfield Theological Seminary at whitfield.edu. Get a hold of our friend, Dr. Kenneth Talbot, and start your classes today. ApologiaRadio.com.